Hi there, this is Victor Cook, the executive producer and supervising director of Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, which you can watch on Netflix. I was also the producer and supervising director of The Spectacular Spider-Man. I want to wish all the fans of that show a happy 10-year anniversary. You are watching Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. And welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is on the pulse of news. I don't know. I didn't think of a decent lead-in, but here it is. I'm your host, Craig, and I'm joined by three people that are here to talk about all the goings-on that happened in December. So this is our last podcast of 2020, so let's make it a good one. Aaron, welcome. Welcome. Kat, welcome. Thank you. Isaac, also welcome. Am I supposed to say welcome? <laughs> You can say whatever you want. I'm going to go with a, tra- a traditional hello. That works. Everyone is here. Everyone is checked in. So that's good. We're all good. So last podcast of 2020, we've recently released our Christmas special, which isn't the last podcast of 2020, but it's a lot of fun. So listen to that. I'm plugging it. If you haven't listened to it. Always be plugging. We will just start with a roundup of kind of what we've been watching over the past since we last did one of these. So Aaron, what's been on your viewing watch list special mention i think to cobra kai that's been something that laura and i've both been enjoying waiting for season three in january mandalorian of course totally into that stay tuned for a podcast on that one coming soon uh, and also just picked up expand season five which launched today as of recording right time stamping is perfectly yep yeah cool <laughs> I like people to know when we're recording relative to releases because I'll be like, but that's been out for months and I'm just listening to it. But yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So anything else? And are you enjoying those things that you're watching? Not watching anything else, really. I do want to get back to Love Calf Country. I've not finished that yet, but uh, yeah, the list grows longer. Loving Cobra Kai, by the way, as a flashback to films from your childhood. The Mandalorian, I am now enjoying the second half of it. But I will say I think The Expanse has done something that I find other TV shows haven't, which is open at full speed maximum interest. I liked The Mandalorian Season 2, but I think The Expanse has excelled itself. We're on Season 5 now, and it opened without any loss of pace or interest. And I found that quite impressive, actually. I was having this discussion with somebody the other day that I said Mandalorian opened a bit sort of, I found it, like it, it wasn't quite as on track or I felt like I was catching up again. And I described it as it seemed to slow right down such that it could build up again to its finale. And I said it was so strange. And this person I was talking to said, no, that's, that's how TV shows are done. And I didn't have a good comeback or argument, but I still felt somehow that it shouldn't have to be done following this formula. But whereas I couldn't put an argument together, I think I could just refer people to The Expanse Season 5 
I don't think you have to slow right down and start again. I think there is a way that you can follow up on the cliffhanger from the last season and not change your pace, not have a, such a step change in your pace. So I guess The Expanse is my current top pick just, just for that. Cool. Hopefully we can get Chris to lead the charge on a podcast on it for February. Since he did the last one. Or if he can't, maybe someone else can. Hint, hint, two people on this podcast. Hmm. <laughs> I was expecting hummed silence when I said that, so it's good. Cat, you're elected. <laughs> Chris can't do it. There we go. Problem solved. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm dad. I'm glad to hear that, actually. I've not picked it up immediately, season five, because I'm currently doing a rewatch uh, with my partner who hasn't seen it before. So that's what I'm currently watching, I guess, is The Expanse kind of top to bottom. We're kind of mid-season three at the moment, which I think is my favorite. I think it's absolutely flawless. Kind of what Aaron said about just doesn't lose momentum. I would argue there are bits of season two that kind of drag for me. But I think season, like, just, oof, it's just such a good show. And it's a testament to like, tremendous writing, both from the source material and in the adaptation to TV, that it just, it's so, like, just, like, well done in terms of stakes and keeping a fast pace. It's awesome. So, yeah, really thoroughly enjoying it once again. There's just a lot of choice moments. Always be plugging. Do listen to our Expanse podcast that we did sometime last year, I think. With Aaron here and Chris, I think the three of us, yeah, I think the three of us are the only ones who watch that show around here, which is preposterous. And y'all need to fix that immediately because it's awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, I just haven't had the chance. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Ah, ah. Cool. For shame, Craig. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm wagging my finger at you. Yeah, well, I could do the same for other shows. Everyone's got that. I can't believe you're not watching this. How dare you? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I'm actively watching anything else. I've been playing games recently, which has been quite fun. I've been playing the Spider-Man on the PS5, which is a remaster of the PS4 Spider-Man, which with, I know you like, Craig. With young face. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm playing it on like super easy because I don't care about getting good at fighting. I just <laughs> smash buttons. It's great. I'm here for the story. So yeah, and it's been it's been quite fun so far. I'm not too far into the story yet, I don't mm-hmm. think. And yeah, just a couple of bits and bobs of like indie Switch games. So yeah, but nothing you've been actively watching really of note. I mean, also 30 Rock, I guess. (laughs) It's the kind of lightweight. I finished a colossal marathon of Frasier Mm -hmm. with my partner because they wanted to share it with me. And I'd only seen an episode here or there. But we watched the entire 11 seasons over the course of this year. And so 30 Rock has been like, ooh, I need something, you know, funny and light that we can, you know, watch over lunch or whatever. So we're currently making our way through that. I kind of regret missing it when it was airing originally. I kind of skipped it for very superficial reasons. I was like, I don't like Alec Baldwin's face. I don't want to watch it. But it turns out like he's fantastic in it. The show is great. So I'm like, oh, man, I could have enjoyed this like... 14 years ago, which seems absurd to say. How is this show that old? I, I don't understand. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of all that's been on my radar at the moment. Cool. Isaac, what have you been watching? 
So last week I watched the final part of it's a five part YouTube miniseries called Daleks, which is part of Doctor Who's like they're doing something called the Time Lord Victorious. Essentially it's something to keep people in the BBC doing stuff while there's no TV. So they're just doing various <laughs> things and one of them's animation and they've done a it's a very simple like every episode is ten minutes, but it's the the Daleks kicking around, taking on mysterious entity, which I think it's part of these things. It's tied into another thing, so we will find out what that's about eventually. Mm-hmm. It's by James Goss, who's the sort of the, I don't know if it's a showrunner or project manager, I guess, because it's doing various media. And yeah, I mean, the animation is a little choppy because people are just making it at home. But if you get past that sort of simplistic look, and also no one talks that's not a, either a Dalek or a robot. So it's it's always like shouting in that sort of staccato talk, which can get a little great in after if you shotgun it. So it's best to like watch it in yeah. gaps. But it's fun if you just want to watch like 50 minutes-ish of some Doctor Who fun. And also they released a trailer for their escape room, like a Dalek escape room. And it's, it's the best minute of Daleks ever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Whoever made that trailer should be making... Like, if you search, it's called Genetics of the Daleks. And if you watch that trailer, like, on YouTube or whatever, it's only about a minute. And that is, whoever's doing that should be doing Doctor Who just fully, because it's ridiculously good. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes and I'll have a look at that myself. I had no idea any of this existed, so... Nice. Yeah, it's just like... Because obviously they want people employed, so they yeah. sort of announced, oh yeah, we're doing, like, mixed media, various stuff. All of it's sort of free to access. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I've not really been watching that much. I'm still watching Star Trek Discovery because it's on and I'm reviewing that. Just been watching bits and pieces of Christmas stuff or just old stuff that I I quite like. It's this time of year where I just like to chill out with stuff that I'm familiar with. And, you know, Christmas movies, I've watched some new ones. I watched The Christmas Chronicles 2, which I thought was really, really good for what it was. And I've watched a couple other Netflix ones. I'd only ever seen the first Princess Switch movie, which I thought was pretty dire. And then I've watched the second one, I think it is. I don't think it matters if you've seen any of them, but when you pick up and watch... Good God, why? I don't know. Why did you do that? I I just like these kind of light and fluffy (laughs) Netflix Christmas movies, you know? So I had a look at that. Did you watch last year's one, The Night Before Christmas? Yes, I did. Yes, that was... It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) What amazes me about these Netflix Christmas movies is they find ways to completely remove any kind of tension from a moment that you might think of. For example, in the first Princess Switch, there's, you know, any kind of these body switching or person switching sort of dramas or comedies or whatever, you always expect the moment of, is this where they're going to be found out? And they kind of build up to that, but people just dismiss it and move on. So it's almost like they're actively trying to remove drama from these films, which I find really amusing in, in its way. And it's the definition of disposable Christmas fluff, but they're okay. Yeah, so it's always charming. So. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, Vanessa Hudgens is watchable all the time, and I haven't got around to watching the Christmas Prince or whatever it's called, the, the sequels to that. But I do like um, Rose McIver from iZombie. I think she's amazing and probably slumming it in films like that. But I'll, I'll give them a watch as well before Christmas. So that's been me, really. I mean, in terms of video games, I did a 20-hour charity video game stream, so I never want to play a video game ever again. I've kind of tapped myself out for a while. I've, I've played yeah. too much. That was fun for what it was and raised £115 for lonely Ooh. people. So I'm quite chuffed with myself for that. I managed to raise a, a few pounds for the needy. So 
that was an accomplishment for me. And then always be plugging. I plugged that thing that I did a few days ago. So, so that's been it. Not really much going on. I suspect things will <laughs> ramp up in January or so. And then I'll be watching more things. Hmm. It was interesting. I was just watching a video on the Netflix Christmas movies yesterday. So a lot of what I watch on YouTube is commentary videos. And there's this guy who people may or may not may not know uh, from the famous Vine Road Work Ahead. Yeah, I sure hope it does. Pause for effect. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just me then. Yep. Cool. His name is Drew Gooden, and uh, sometimes he does movie reviews. And so he did a video specifically on the Netflix Christmas movies. And so I have vicariously experienced them through Drew Gooden, <laughs> but I haven't seen them myself. And because it was like literally last night before I went to bed, that that was one of the last videos I watched. So it's just very interesting that uh, this has come up because like I understand that reference vaguely <laughs> but not through direct experience so it's weird <laughs> give them a watch you could do worse especially oh, yeah yeah they seem certainly watchable but harmless harmless is the term I think like, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I think that's the fair assessment yeah so that's it that's what we've been watching a bit of a dry period for content but tv and stuff is coming back in January because they're filming stuff so I'm sure I'll be kept busy at that point and kind of miss having a few shows on the go as well because it's good to just have that something to look forward to in the week, you know, a new show, a new episode of something that you enjoy and things. So let's get that back next year. Let's get a lot back next year, but definitely that. So Let's move on. We've got some general news. Disney went and dropped a bunch of stuff that we're going to have to devote most of our time to, but we can cast our gaze over some other stuff just to touch base with it. So one of the biggest things that I came across was that Oscar Isaac is cast as Solid Snake in the Jordan Vogt Roberts, I think he's still making it, Metal Gear Solid movie. I think a lot of people lost their mind about this. You had the usual thinly veiled criticisms that were, but Snake is supposed to be all-American, which means, well, white, I guess, in this context for a lot of people. So I think it's good casting. He's going to have to gruff up his voice a bit, though. But I'm going to kneel before it because I like Oscar Isaac and giving him a franchise like that. And he can grow a beard, which definitely helps. Isaac, you're a big Metal Gear guy. What do you think of this? I've been playing through Metal Gear, actually. I think this is brilliant. I'd sort of forgotten this was being made because I know he did like a thing where he was doing wild concept art for a bit. People have been quick on, I think Boss Logic usually does them. You know, the ones where it's like, as soon as it's announced, someone's put his face with the bandana and they've <laughs> taken all, I think it's all the pictures they've taken from Dune, yeah. where he's got that big beard and that armour or whatever. Lots of people are annoyed because no newspapers know which snake is the right snake. <laughs> they've always got pictures of like, you know, the ones where it's like Big Boss or <laughs> the other ones and stuff. Uh, but no, Oscar Isaac is really great and... I don't know if he has to rough himself up a bit. It depends on where they're doing it. Are they going to go Metal Gear Solid 1 or are they just going to sort of do a hear some Metal Gears go fight them thing? Like, it's hard to tell. My guess would be it'd be Shadow Moses. Like that, they'll tell that yeah. story. But I assume they'll sort of work in, like, the first two. Like, they'll merge the Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 to, into it together because... Otherwise, when the ninja turns up, it's like, oh, it's that guy you fought in the movie we haven't made yet or whatever. Yeah. There'll be flashbacks um, or something, yeah, to old missions. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's probably not going to be in it, but I'd love to see Sebastian Sanders riding. <laughs> this is one of the ones I'm really excited about. So I'm going to definitely kneel before this and 
Also, hopefully Solid Snake sings a song in it because Oscar Isaac's got a great singing voice. <laughs> it's a weird franchise. Maybe Snake has to sing his way through <laughs> a weird laser field or something. Yeah. I just think Oscar Isaac must be waking up every morning, getting in front of the mirror and just, you know, trying his best Metal Gear in his gruffest voice just to yeah. give him that grizzled quality because Snake's voice is, is that. So, yeah. He's yeah. practicing questioning everything he's told. <laughs> yeah, just what? His trademark what? move. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What is that? Your script has arrived. Yeah. Script? <laughs> I wonder if they'll do like a long... Obviously, they'll have him in a cardboard box and stuff, but I wonder if they'll do a long bit at the beginning yeah. where the colonel tells him how to walk forwards and things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Snake, this is how you breathe. Yeah, like, got your feet wet? These are the instructions for swimming. <laughs> Video game movies are a bit weird, and I guess it's the one that they can sort of lean into the tension of you know, it's just hit around a corner, like, trying not to get spotted by about 50 people. Yeah, and also they can go as weird as they want. I think it'd be more successful, not more successful, but I think it would work better to not play it too safe and go wild, have weird bosses, yeah, have the man on fire or whatever, <laughs> just get, put them all in, all the weirdest ones. <laughs> Everyone's expecting weird, so just go big. I agree. Let's move on to the next item. So the next item is the Creed 2 director, Stephen Capel Jr., Capel Jr., however you pronounce it, is making a Transformers movie. So there's nothing known about what this movie is. Hopefully it'll be in the same vein as Bumblebee. The advantage here is that it's not being directed by Michael Bay, which helps, or will help some people. So Aaron, you being the Transformers aficionado, are you okay with another voice another directorial voice appearing on this franchise? I think I'd have a hard time arguing no to that statement in general terms. I mean, you're going to regret putting me on this one. As I say, I've not seen this and I've not seen that, but I'm afraid I've not seen Creed either. So I don't really know whether that's going to have any effect on it. I don't know what the style of this guy is. So I'm I'm not adverse to trying something new because I really got nothing out of the Michael Bay Transformer stuff at all. So tell me what type of director he is, and I'll answer again. I'm not quite sure. Creed 2 was fine, though. I think he'll do a decent job at it, because Creed 2 was good enough. I'm fine with seeing a bit more of that. I thought Bumblebee was excellent. So I think certainly getting more people playing around with this franchise could end up being a really good thing. It just depends if it makes money, I suppose, which may be a problem, because people might have been a bit fed up with it. I think that's why Bumblebee didn't do so well, because... It came so soon after the one before that that Michael Bay did that people were just kind of sick of it. So maybe by the time this comes out, people will be more up for it again. I mean, I'm interested in a change of style. I definitely would be quite happy with more of the Bumblebee style, which is a bit more man and his mate goes on an adventure movie together set up sort of thing. That seems fine. But if somebody said, oh, they're going to change it up again, I'd be interested in seeing that too. Because I was quite interested in the latest Netflix, which, as you'll know yourself, I'm interested in stuff that gets a bit darker, and that was a bit darker. So mm-hmm. getting another style in by another director couldn't be a bad thing. So I'll look out for more news and see yeah. if there's a direction being picked. I'm sure we'll find out more soon enough when that starts being a thing. So, Isaac, what do you think of this Transformers news? It's one of those things I add. I'm not seeing the creeds. And I don't know much about Transformers, so I'm leaving it up to your judgment on that. But I suppose, is there any specific, in terms of Bumble, is there a Transformer-centric 
character you'd like to see given a film, or would you rather have just this a team, or do you want like a villains one, or do you want a Planet of the Transformers one, or is there anything you'd like to see on your wish list? That's more of an Aaron question. For me, I don't know enough about Transformers, so I'm happy with the kind of ensemble led by Optimus Prime because he, I know about him and don't know about much others. I think that's the thing the Netflix series did, though. They said, let's take something that you haven't seen too much of before. And that's got to be welcome because much as I, as a kid, loved Optimus Prime and still do, you've seen a lot of it. And you don't want to just keep seeing a rehash again and again and again. So focusing down on Bumblebee is a good idea because that character is a fan favorite. So it brings in the old people and he's, he's also pretty good as a character by himself, which can bring in people that have never seen anything before. So that's a good idea. I think, though, they'd probably be best looking through the vast quantity of source material and doing what Netflix have done and saying, right, let's pick something that you've never seen before. So I guess character-wise, I'm not really thinking I want to pick out any individual. I think I'm more interested in picking out other eras, time periods, locations, and seeing if they can do something different with it. So, you know, Bumblebee is maybe a buddy movie. The Netflix that just went on was more of a political action thriller. And I think they could probably pick another genre quite happily by just choosing the right characters or the right background. And that would be a better way to go. I guess I'm not expecting that to happen at all. And I am expecting to see Bumblebee and Optimus Prime come back in again, but I would not be adverse to seeing somebody completely new. Cool. So I'm going to put you down for a kneel before on that. Not that there's anywhere to put you down for that. So yeah. Kat, do you have a view on this Transformers thing? I genuinely do not. I haven't seen a single Transformers movie. (laughs) I've kind of been saving it. Like a marathon where I watch all of them and maybe make it a drinking game and get smashed. You will not survive. Yeah, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> I think that's kind of the point. Why make it a drinking game if chances of survival are high, you know? <laughs> yeah, so no, I haven't. I, I don't really have an opinion whether or not it's a good outlook or whatever. We'll see. I would say it's not generally what I would gravitate towards so shrug sure (laughs) go with that (laughs) okay next up we have the 10 cloverfield lane director dan trachtenberg making a predator movie and after the last predator movie i'm just like why are you still making these you cannot make them work predators was good but the predator the last one was dreadful although there is some hope there's some light in this tunnel because the director was annoyed when it was revealed to be a Predator movie. So it suggests that it's something that he's been developing for a long time. And it may be something that didn't start life as a Predator movie and has had that glommed onto it, which might help it in the sense that it's it's something that he really wanted to make that they've somehow managed to put a Predator skin on. We won't know until it's out, but I'm going to sort of tentatively rise against this because it feels like one of those franchises that just doesn't seem to work. And other than that one time it did work well two times but it's concerning how many crap predator things there's been so rising against it i guess aaron your thoughts on predator 
uh, I think they should just cut to the chase and have the Predators facing off against the engineers from <laughs> Alien Covenant and so on and and just really go for it using black hole weaponry and, and face hugger necklaces and just, just <laughs> go for it. It's already screwed, so you just, just go for it. Yeah. Kat, do you have a view? The, no. <laughs> the short answer answer is no. kind of <laughs> okay i'm not super familiar with the franchise i didn't see cloverfield lanes so i don't know was it good i think you liked it right i really liked it yeah i really enjoyed it yeah so i mean you know it's as with anything that i don't necessarily know very much about i'm like okay predator i've somehow managed to escape the clutches of that franchise so <laughs> know what this guy's take would be as with a lot of what we'll discuss today i think my general stance is another whatever movie like i'm tired and i'm bored and i don't care and i probably won't see it and and this is what it's come to now we'll just have the same 10 things regurgitated a bleak outlook but my god (laughs) you know everything (laughs) only making those things so yeah i don't know well i'm sure arnie will be in this one i'm sure that's going to happen i should hope so let let him brighten our day (laughs) (laughs) isaac what are your thoughts on this predator thing or do you not care well i've not seen any predator movies but 10 cloverfield lane is very good and from what you said where he didn't want it revealed sounds like it's in the same sort of vein so of 10 Cloverfield Lane it wasn't clear if it was a Cloverfield film yeah it didn't start life that way for sure yeah yeah that was the whole point and I think that kind of worked quite well and it's really sort of tense so I don't know if you just I guess if someone's being hunted by a predator but <laughs> or maybe they're not being hunted by I don't know yeah. like sort of a guess if we made another 10 Cloverfield Lane movie which also might or might not have a predator in that'd be fine <laughs> But yeah, I've never seen any of them, so I'm not sure. Not really my thing. Fair enough. Cool. Next up is the request that Isaac had. We, he wants us to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah, my thing. There's one thing I actually forgot to put in the agenda, but we're all going to have an opinion anyway, so uh, we'll get to that next. Is it whether or not I should be in the podcast anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a separate agenda for yeah. <laughs> like we're, I we're going to make sure you're not there for that discussion. That's a <laughs> We've made a decision. Yeah. We've voted you off. Sorry, you don't have a say. Yeah, but so the main three bits I picked up on: we've got Captain Jack for the New Year special. There's a trailer for the New Year special, and two companions are leaving. So I think the New Year special looks fine. I wasn't fussed about the last series, or I didn't think it was very well done. I didn't think it was very well written, and it was full of issues. And there's things I won't go into because it will take ages. But we may do a Doctor Who thing at some point where we can discuss it in more detail. But Captain Jack coming back, once John Barrowman gloms onto your franchise, you just can't get rid of him and he'll be back forever. And I think that's fine. Two companions leaving. It might mean we get some actual character development on the other companions, which is something the show is currently very bad at. So... I'm going to tentatively kneel before this because I think they can make use of the opportunity this presents to focus things a bit better. So, Isaac, take it away. What do you think? I think Captain Jack returning is, it's getting a character back a lot of people like. I did enjoy the last series. I think it feels more, like not riskier, but it's less safe than the Stephen Moffat ones. Obviously, they tried to see that female doctor for a start as one thing, then throwing a new doctor in and all that stuff. It feels a bit more like they're, they're trying, not the trying stuff, 
what's the word? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're giving it a bit more, they're giving it a bit more different and interesting. And even though not every risk is working, like the Pierre Capaldi ones just sort of didn't have much going for them. None of the arcs are very interesting. And it, it was like by the time Stephen Moffat had done a few series and I think he was running out of steam a bit. So it feels a bit fresher. Uh, I think the trailer looks quite fun. I wasn't originally that sold on the new look for the Daleks, but I think it's sort of growing on me because I think whenever they do a new thing, especially for us nerds, oh no, that's horrible. And you're like, actually, that's no, it's basically the same. It's just a different <laughs> color or whatever. And yeah, I think the two companions and it's, like, I don't know if Kat or Aaron, I don't know if you might be watching it, but it's Ryan and Graham, so it's grandson and granddad. So it makes sense that they'd, like, they wouldn't go without the other one. And you were saying throughout all of Doctor Who, three companions has always been at two's the maximum because you can have one getting captured or something and one going off, but three, there's always one who's just basically not in it. For the moment, we know it's Yaz who's staying, and I don't know if they'll introduce more in, in the future, but I kind of hope that they just do one companion for a bit and let her develop a bit. But I'm always excited about Doctor Who, though. I kind of hope it's not too complicated. I think lots of Dalek ones, the don't really get that the fun is just have lots of them you don't have to overthink it just have lots of them and lots of them shout and exterminate and it kind of looks a bit like that from the trailer but it's not like oh they're reinventing the wheel give us new <laughs> years and just have loads of them and just blow loads of them up and have a great time i'm definitely kneeling for this cool aaron you're not really into doctor who are you so i have a weird relationship with it i really want to like it and have not got anything out of it for a long time. I don't even really know about this idea of bringing the Daleks back. I'll upset Isaac by saying that the best Dalek stuff I remember is when there is one Dalek and it's really freaking scary. And there's just people going left, right and centre trying to attack this thing and it's just having no effect. And then it's actually a proper villain. I mean, I'm from the days when as a kid you wanted to watch Doctor Who, but you almost didn't dare because it was just too scary. And as an adult, I guess I'm not necessarily going to be scared by it anymore, but I did appreciate this terrifying single Dalek that nobody in the army could possibly take down. And then you have to try and find a different way of defeating it because the Doctor can defeat it. And that's kind of the point, you know, these things are the ultimate military masterminds and you can't defeat them unless you're a super powerful time traveling intelligence, then you can defeat them. I'm totally up for that. But as soon as you start bringing in, what was it? A trillion Daleks. Oh, right. I know. Sorry. <laughs> off. Turn off immediately. I'm, and I, and I could never really get back in. And I've got too many things here that I don't want to say because I don't want to upset people, but it, it, I couldn't get back into it. And I tried watching the latest Doctor, because it was going to be this big change in our culture, but the writing was exactly the same as it was before, and I felt like that, therefore, didn't really change anything up for me. It's actually almost exactly what it should have been, making the Doctor a woman had no effect whatsoever, because it shouldn't matter. And I thought, well, that's great. But I still am getting on with the writing, I'm afraid, so I'm not able to enjoy it, I think. So I really want to like it, but I don't think I've got a way back in yet, and I'm, I'm probably just not the target audience anymore, and that's fine. 
wait till the next doctor and then try again. Well, tell me about a change of writing team or something. And maybe that's what I should be looking out for. So keep yeah. me apprised of that when the writing style changes and, and then I'll try it again. Cool. Kat, what's your view on this Doctor Who stuff? Is it something you watch? So, yes and no. My first kind of foray into Doctor Who was with David Tennant's Doctor. We had episodes aired in Greece with like subtitles and stuff. And I didn't like it. I hated it. I was like, I hate this guy. He's obnoxious. Whatever. I've, I'm not going to watch this. Then when I moved to the UK, it was when Matt Smith was cast. And I quite liked him for a time. I didn't really like the pawns. And because a lot of the show became about the pawns, I was like kind of in and out of it a little bit. I kind of got into it again with Clara because I really liked her. And I didn't want any of Capaldi for maybe like his first episode, but like he got people killed and he didn't care. And I was like, oof, don't like this guy. No, <laughs> goodbye. And then I tried again with Jodie Whittaker and I love her as a character, but I'll agree with Aaron in that it was just kind of boring i was just like i should be riveted by this and instead i'm just kind of like oh okay oh okay yes she's lovely okay cool and the companions seem great okay fine you know i kind of got emotional because my god finally a female doctor wow what a revelation but at the same time i was just kind of like oh well it's kind of nothing <laughs> i don't know and maybe it gets better later i just never really picked it back up again after watching that pilot. I watched that live along with everybody else. You know, it was just kind of like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I haven't really watched any Doctor Who since really Lady Whitaker's special when she appeared. I don't know. I might give it another go. And maybe Isaac can say how her story has gone on. And if it... Tell me what you think, basically, because I'd love to like it. Similarly to Aaron, I'd love to love it, but I'm just kind of like... It's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's just too British for me. And that's another thing that I, yeah, you chuckle, but there's a lot of British TV that just kind of I like. I totally get what you mean. And that's why I chuckled. <laughs> you know, like, like, I just kind of feel like coming into it as like a Greek person who mostly relates to things through media, but British television very often just leaves me kind of going, I just don't understand <laughs> there's a, a particular brand of British weirdness, which isn't necessarily tied to a genre, uh, but because I mostly watch genre TV, I would say one of my favorite shows, Being Human, also had that brand of like British weirdness. It just kind of is off kilter a bit somehow, and I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, like, I don't know. Doctor Who is one of those things that is kind of the epitome of that off-kiltery-ness yeah. that I can't quite put a finger on. That's fair. There you go. Isaac, you've got your Doctor Who conversation and you've got yep. some insightful stuff. So, yeah, we can bring it up again as the season is airing. Maybe we'll do a Doctor Who podcast. I don't know. If people are interested, we could maybe do so. I don't know. We'll see. Depending on how long it takes them to film the new ones with all the restrictions and stuff so whenever that's we have some time yeah probably around new year's 2021 probably <laughs> so. yeah if we're lucky yeah yeah okay 
Next item on the agenda that isn't on the agenda, which is hilarious because I forgot. So Warner Brothers are releasing every major film that they're releasing or were supposed to release either kind of this year and next year on streaming. It's all gone on HBO Max and people are losing their minds over this, particularly theatre chains, because they think it's going to be a paradigm shift for the industry. And I'm interested to see what people's views are on this because they say it's only for a year, but it's, I mean, if it ends up being successful, is it going to be day and date releases for everything from now on, at least from Warner Brothers? So I'm disappointed that I won't get to see things like Wonder Woman and IMAX for the first time or Godzilla vs. Kong, because I'm pretty sure that Godzilla vs. Kong isn't really going to be good enough to want to watch twice. So I really wanted to see the spectacle of them battling it out on an IMAX screen, but it doesn't look like I'll get that anytime soon, which is a shame. So, anyway, Aaron, what do you think of this move to streaming rather than, well, cinemas where available, but streaming everywhere? I mean, we spoke about this, I forget which podcast it was, but we spoke about this earlier in the pandemic. And I remember saying that I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. So I knew that they were considering it. It was when they were talking about doing it with Bond and Bond, it felt like they were, they were trying to tease it. And it was like, if you do it, we'll do it. But nobody agreed <laughs> and there wasn't yeah. this big rush. And now somebody's gone for it. But I, I honestly didn't believe we'd see it this year. I thought it would be next year. And I only thought it would really happen if the pandemic was looking like it was going to be long term so the when they said there's a potential vaccine and we're thinking about what we can do to get back to normal if you'd have asked me at that point i would have said yeah in that case cinemas will reopen and nobody will do streaming but i, th- I think i've underestimated the loss of revenue that must be occurring and people mm-hmm. have just snapped and gone for it but ultimately, I can only say what I said back then. I don't think it's going to be the end of cinema because there are certain films that you can only really enjoy on a screen that's 50 times as big as you are. And those films that are trying to go on streaming that are better off on the bigger screen, they're just just—they're not going to get the same response or people are just going to have to stop spending the money on creating 3D films anymore because there's no point because you can't show it on most people's telly yet. You know, you can show it on some people's telly, obviously, but you can't show it on everybody's. Well, the 3D TV thing died out. They were available for a time. Now you can't get them anymore yeah. because they're, they're pointless. Nobody was And how many them. people have actually filled up their entire living room wall with a telly to really get the massive experience? I know like two people that have out of everybody I know. And otherwise, most of us have got... A, a, what these days would be considered a small TV, even though it was big to me as a, if I had been looking at it as a kid. So I, I can't see it being permanent because it would require a complete paradigm shift, entirety of cinema away from massive blockbuster films that literally blow you out of your chair. And I don't think the desire to see those is gone. You know, we haven't as a we haven't as a culture moved on to. Uh, the pandemic has given us a newfound respect for entirely art house films. You know, that's just not happened. So a temporary measure, I don't think it'll be the end of cinema, but maybe there'll be a lot of refinancing for cinema houses that go under and then come back in a different name. But there's a plenty of people out there with a lot of money who would quite happily pick up a cinema chain in, in six months. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out, but, I just don't know. Obviously, we don't know how well it's going to go anyway because the first film in this model hasn't really dropped yet. So 
I suspect the other studios are sort of sitting waiting to see what will happen next and how well these things do and how well it works out for audiences and for the people making it, I guess. But it's kind of concerning in a way. So, Kat, what do you think of this move? I'm inclined to agree with Aaron on this for the most part. I didn't think it was too soon, if anything. I think this pandemic has been grossly mishandled on a lot of fronts, including um, how film releases have been organized. I think there's a lot of hope that things wouldn't be as bad as they are, but I think this is a welcome move. I don't think it's the end of cinema. How they come back from taking this financial hit, whether or not cinema chains will change hands, how in practical terms, how this is going to go down when things are kind of opening back up again in a more steady way we'll have to wait and see on that but the cinema experience is something you can't really replicate not without having the money to have a actual big screening room in your house so i think people will go back to that because it's it's a fun experience you know you you get to leave your house do something special (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I think, you know, especially after oh, the pandemic, we're going to be like, yeah. oh, my God, I need to leave my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's the end of cinema per se, but it certainly is going to be an adventure to see how they bounce back. My uh, sort of like exasperation is obviously, you know, HBO Max is not available everywhere in the same yes. way. And so they're saying, oh, like, we'll just dump it all on HBO Max what about the markets that don't have it? What about the markets that can't have it? I'm thinking Europe. I'm thinking other places that just won't have that kind of access. Because like I'm, in the UK, they might give us HBO Max. Maybe. Who knows? Eventually, yeah. Sooner than planned, maybe. Obviously, right now, we don't have access to that. But as with everything, it's very American-centric. It's just like, oh, okay, well, this is the market, so we're just going to do this. And it's like, well, you pride yourselves on taking global money. (laughs) How exactly do you plan to do this? Why are some audiences deemed okay to be safer, given the chance to be safer by having the opportunity to watch these things at home yeah so i'm just kind of like uh okay but not everything's about you though the rest of us also want your movies so find a way to give them to us in a safe way because i'm not stepping foot in a cinema until i feel safe enough to do so and right now i don't so does that mean i'm not going to get to watch a new movie (laughs) and also right now you can't which is another problem obviously yeah being in tier three in london at the moment there's no cinemas or anything like that available yeah i don't know complicated mostly because of pandemic reasons i think it's a welcome move i think more studios should embrace this and if anything just having the option to watch things at home whether or not it's the best way to do so or whatever obviously big blockbusters i'd love to see them in a big big screen with like big speakers and you know just like wash over me take me into your world yes but if i have the option to watch something at home and i want to it will be nice to be able to do that uh, i think that's the way forward 
generally speaking, looking ahead into decades. It's like, how have we not done this already? We're ready for that kind of movement, I think. I mean, the cinema experience is always going to be king and the fact that no one can come to the door and distract you when you're in the middle of a film and all that kind of stuff. It does shut out the world, which is very appealing and it gets you away from life for a couple of hours. And if you're maybe in your living room, because I sometimes find it difficult to watch films at home because there are just that many distractions where something can just happen. Like I said, the doorbell goes or whatever, and then I'm lifted out of it again and have to get back in and just stuff like that. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I don't think it's the death of cinema either. I honestly think that in two or three years, we'll forget this pandemic ever happened because everything will go back to aggressively normal and no lessons will have been learned, really. That's what I think is going to happen. But that's just my view on it. So, Isaac, what do you think of this movement? I think it's because it didn't really concern... Because, like, oh, HBO Max isn't in UK, so don't worry about it. But I was just thinking there, like, everyone I've heard opinions on are film reviewers on YouTube. So obviously they have <laughs> to watch Dune and Suicide Squad when they come out because, you know, they have to write a, you know, Neil Before blog. Readers are going to want to find out the review and stuff. So, yeah, you're going to want to watch Matrix 4 and Dune on a big screen. But I think these films will simultaneously release, won't they? That's the plan. Well, I think in the UK, Sky get them maybe a month later. That's the buzz that's yeah. been going about. But I mean, in terms of what America are doing, like Wonder Woman and stuff, it's available on streaming or at available cinemas, I yeah. think. Yeah, like if I want to go watch a film at cinema, I'll go to the cinema. <laughs> but it's one of those <laughs> things, to be honest, I'd forgotten about that news until you just brought it up. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's like, whatever. <laughs> it's a shame, yeah, obviously, you don't want people who work in cinemas losing their jobs. But... Also, people want to make billions of dollars on films and stuff, so they'll take the opportunity that's there. But I yeah. think, yeah, like you said, the next thing that's coming out that this is affected by is, well, I'll see Wonder Woman, but after that there's, I don't know what's coming out next year, I've kind of forgotten. Maybe Suicide yeah, Squad? Yeah. If you want to go watch it at the cinema, you might have to wait a little bit, but well, I think obviously like you and Kat do reviews, and you might have to watch on day one, but I think for lots of people, they're happy to wait to watch a on an available screen when it's ready yeah okay some good points raised there obviously everyone's looking to us to deliver the final rating on this issue so that warner brothers feel confident going ahead they need to know what we think so we've told them so <laughs> they're consulting us of course <laughs> well here's the neil before blog seal of approval <laughs> it's going to come up in a boardroom at some point and they'll be like, well, these guys on this podcast, they made us wait, but they've told us it's okay, so we're doing this. They said it's fine, so okay, we're doing yeah. it. They said they're disappointed, but they'll accept it and it's fine, so let's do this. <laughs> this was the word they were waiting for. So, yeah. Next up, Spider-Man. This bloody Spider-Man film. Barely a week goes by where there isn't another returning cast member from an older version of the franchise so I'm literally just read the list of <laughs> just well, the, the, the day that, that are... things were breaking and twitter was just oh this person's coming too and this person's coming too and i was like what is happening right now <laughs> just <laughs> ridiculous yeah so explicitly confirmed we talked about it in previous podcasts we've got jamie fox explicitly confirmed not explicitly confirmed but seems likely at this point kirsten dunst and emma stone are coming back perhaps which is not something I expected to happen. Willem Dafoe and Thomas Hayden Church may be in talks to reprise their roles. Daredevil, of all people, Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox might be coming back. And Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not yet confirmed. So 
this is insane. Just every time it's just, we're going to bring these people back, bring these people back. And I like it in principle. I'm just wondering what it's going to be about and whether there's going to be time for everything. You know, there's the joke that, oh yeah, Tom Holland's in this as well. Because it feels like it's heading that way to this oversaturation <laughs> point. I mean, as a Spider-Man fan, I'm dead excited. Seeing Willem Dafoe again, possibly with a better Green Goblin costume this time, sign me up for sure. And Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock, definitely. Loved that character before. It just depends what they do with it all. And seeing all three Spider-Men on screen together, yeah, cool. I want to see Andrew Garfield in the role again. He was my favourite of the three still. And Matt Murdock, Daredevil, cool, yeah. Bring him back for sure. So... I guess watch this space, but it's insane. Like it's insane what they're bringing back, and it's pretty clear that now nothing ever finishes anymore. You just wait for them to revive it in some way at some point. Now that's just the way things go. So, Cat, what do you think of all of this? I've been hyped for a multiverse thing since Spider Verse. So yeah, and that's why they're doing this. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, is my initial reaction. Less so about Electro and things. I don't care. <laughs> His subplot in The Amazing Spider-Man was just, I don't care about any of this. Okay, <laughs> okay, my guy, sure. I'm, I think, most excited about the Daredevil situation being included because I think that's the first time we're seeing proper integration of the Netflix stuff in the actual film cinematic universe. So yes, because he's awesome in it and just everything about the Netflix Daredevil. I love that show a lot. So yes, thank you. And also it opens the door for perhaps, because I would love to see Jessica Jones be integrated as well. Basically, you know, whoever from those Netflix shows is available, bring them in, please. Generally, yeah, I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan in terms of it's not my favorite of the Marvel characters and stories, but sounds promising into it. I hope that they will give it the kind of attention that the previous Tom Holland Spider-Mans have had, because I've really enjoyed those. I thought they were great. So if that continues on, I'll be a happy kitten, basically. There we go. Yeah. Aaron, what are your thoughts on spider-man returning stuff i think this is where my warning lights start to flash if i'm honest because again i'm referring back to stuff we said before but like um dr strange multiverse of madness all of this is going to have a particular use in giving us the x-men that we want and other things obviously whereas i'm not adverse to that there's this thing in my head that says I'm not so into the sillies. That sounds a bit arrogant, so let me explain it. I like Thor Ragnarok as a comedy, and that was a great film, and I loved it. But I think there's a danger when you start to go into the really crazy stuff that you're targeting a market that is much more limited. There's some stuff that, even if it's not silly, it's still really niche to the comic book market who don't mind it just going oh and there's this guy from this universe who said that who did this and his power is different when he's under a red sun as a yellow sun and you totally get into that real detailed comic book stuff and i'm i'm not convinced that the greater audience is going to tolerate this stuff i think that guardians of the galaxy 2 
very definitely managed to, and Guardians 1 actually, managed to test the audience to see how crazy can we go and the audience still watch. And I think they did do okay. But as soon as somebody says the word multiverse to me, I'm starting to see these old 80s sitcom tropes coming back in whereby you can kill somebody and replace them with their long lost twin brother that you didn't know they had, <laughs> which is pretty much the same as, ah, uh, no, this is the guy from universe 37 because he was able to come back in and he had pretty much the same experiences as a child. And I think as soon as you start getting that deep into the crazy, you're going to lose it. I also personally am worried about this stuff because I feel like it's going to take the personal out of it. I think it's a big danger at the point where you get into multiverse stuff where it becomes who's got the biggest, most colorful ray beam and they win the fight rather than the very definite personal sacrifices, which was what won the day when it comes to Avengers. But yeah, if you've got three Spider-Man and one of them sacrifices himself for the others, I kind of understand that that is still personal. It still means something, but you're starting to dilute your Spider-Man pool here a bit, and you're going to start to dilute the feeling that comes with it if you can just replace one with the other and so on. So I'm not saying that this is definitely going to be rubbish. I, I don't know that at all. But my warning lights are flashing that we're going to start to be not so grounded in reality, which you still have to do some of, even in superhero stuff. Obviously, it still has to mean something. It's interesting you say about the audience acceptance because – Spider-Perverse already proved that they will accept a multiverse story. We've had the DC TV shows have been telling multiverse stories for years now and people have been getting along with it. I think as a concept, multiverse is starting to creep into more and more things. My argument with that, though, is that are they not niche market? Your DC TV shows, are they watched by everybody? Was your Spider-Verse, was it watched by everybody? Because I'm not sure, the Spider-Verse maybe, but I'm not sure your DC TV shows have tested the audience as much as you might think. They do have a large enough audience, I guess, but Spider-Verse was definitely a hit. So I think audiences are okay with the concept and I think they'll roll along with it. And I don't know if you've watched Spider-Verse yet, but Spider-Verse still is a Miles Morales story. It's just kind of reflected through these other spider people that show up so i imagine they're trying to recapture that feeling and that success with this idea of the live action people coming back so we'll see how the approach works see if they can pull it off a second time but certainly spider-verse does it brilliantly i've watched spider-verse and i thought it was a really good film i thought there was really good stuff in it but as soon as you got to the end point where there was lots of flashing lights and trains going by and the universe was falling apart I, I started to lose a bit of interest in the finale the character work at the early bit was like oh that's brilliant i'm really into that but yeah when you've got this just crazy over the top throwing stuff across universes that barely exist and flashing lights and funny shapes i didn't get a lot out of the ending and i think that is a danger for me the Doctor Strange ending where you start to get this crazy powerful face in the sky, that still worked because some guy turns up and uses his intelligence to solve it. He actually uses a, a nice little bargaining chip to solve the problem so he doesn't need to use big ray beams to beat the god in the sky. Great. But with Spider-Verse, there was still quite a lot of 
him having to throw punches and throw things around. And it was good that he gained his confidence to do it. But once he's gained his confidence, then you go into the crazy. And so it gives me the worry. It gives me that this is going to turn a corner and you can't go back once you've done it. Okay, fair. Isaac, what do you think of the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man happenings? I think it's all awful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all the same. It's like when they said, and I don't, I love silly stuff, but I think what this kind of ruins is all the fun speculation of like, oh, how can they introduce Oscorp and Osborne into the Tom Holland world? Or, oh, wouldn't it be fun to see this new actor play Doc Hawk? And how are they going to do it different to the old Doc Hawk? And now it's just like, oh, no, it's just the one you've seen. You know, what's this Green Goblin going to be like? the one we saw in like 2001 it's boring it's so boring it's the same when he said they were doing ben affleck and michael keaton in that flash movie but that didn't matter because no one cares about the flash <laughs> it doesn't matter it's like oh yeah those batman's like i've seen the batman i don't care they've done them like and yeah spider-verse was fun but also in that movie we didn't know the doc arc was coming and we hadn't seen that version of kingpin and we hadn't seen spider-ham or that other peter parker and it was new and exciting Whereas this feels like one of those Simpsons episodes where they don't have enough to finish the season, so they have to just like, show clips. <laughs> what are they like? Oh yeah, now we're going to go back and look at Electro, and now we're going to look at the lizard. And it's just like, well, but it's not new. It's we've seen them. It's not interesting because it, there's no speculation. And I think it'd be more fun to have another go at. Like, I sort of knew it was coming, like the J. Jonah Jameson thing. Is that they're probably going to reference? J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. But I thought that was like, oh, that's nice as like a little joke that doesn't mean anything <laughs> in this story. But now it's like, oh no, here's Tobey Maguire and here's Spider-Man again. And it's like, fine. And I've seen this. And I'll move forward. <laughs> Don't just tell me what's already happened. I already know. I've already seen it. It sounds so boring. It's a little bit... Aaron, when you were talking then, I got like flashbacks of the end scene of Ready Player One when it's just <laughs> pop culture characters crashing into each other just because they need them in. Oh, here's the Iron Giant fighting Superman. Just because people will know these characters. But yeah, everything they announced about this film, except for like, Daredevil would If it's just like, oh yeah, Daredevil's in this, that'd be nice because <laughs> he's a good Daredevil and he could have Kingpin or whatever. But oh, and now there's Doc Ock and there might be the Lizard and there might be Osborne and everything. It's like, well, do another go. Do a different go. <laughs> Otherwise, don't bother. And also, there's so many other ones you haven't used. There's other characters you haven't really given a go to yet. Yeah, the scorpion and so on. Yeah, scorpion or that the hobgoblin or the chameleon or something. Either do new ones or do new versions of the ones we've done. I don't want to see Alfred Molina's Doc Ock again because I've seen him. I want to see a new Doc Ock in a new style. So yeah, I'm hard rise against all. Fair enough. No, I totally accept where you're coming from there. And yeah, I was looking forward to seeing different takes on familiar characters as well. And they can still do that, though, because they'll be establishing that in different universes, these people are different, look different and act different and stuff. So assuming this Spider-Man franchise persists for as long as it needs to, then they can still reintroduce those things. But no, I totally get where you're coming from there. I'm just excited to see it all brought together in this way, especially if it works. Which it may not. It may just end up being this cluster of nonsense and then you leave the theatre wondering, why did they do this? What, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. Because also it feels like, best case scenario, these characters are going to have like a decent action scene that maybe lasts like four minutes. <laughs> it's not going to be a main run through. We're not seeing anything new with like the Goblin or Alpha Molina's one. They're just going to have an action scene with them because you haven't got the time to do a whole character arc or anything. 
so yeah, it's sort of cameos, I guess. So it's there to have a fun scene, but it just sort of feels like, yeah, it's like, it's not really worth it. Cool. Yeah, so we've got a balanced outlook on this. Fun. Cool. But I imagine the next time we do one of these, there'll be more Spider-Man news to talk about. We'll find out that the, the three Aunt Mays will be in it and we'll share a scene and discuss how old the, <laughs> how much younger they keep getting with each iteration. That'll happen next. I've predicted it. It'll happen. Watch this space. Rosemary Harris is still alive. She's 93 years old, so she could do it. <laughs> and then Sally Field is still around. And Marissa Tomei, they could share a scene, talk about how they're the ant to Spider-Man, or maybe they don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> There's the crossover that everyone wants, the Ant Maze. Okay, so let's stay on Disney, because they dropped a lot of stuff. They had a huge investor meeting where they gave us a bunch of stuff. So we'll talk about the miscellaneous stuff first. There's a bunch of reboots and remakes and things that I'm really not that interested in, and there's too many to sort of name on this one thing. So I'm going to draw into a couple of things. So the first stop is the Chris Evans Buzz Lightyear movie that's just called Lightyear and it's according to Chris Evans it's the person that the toy is based on so to me that feels like it's an in-universe movie that say Andy would have watched and it would make him want a Buzz Lightyear toy but it seems like there's different takes on it so Aaron you had a different thought didn't you? Well I don't know there was a specific thought I've not got any information I just honestly possibly misread the tweet I thought it was going to be a, a real human in, in Andy's world. And then they took this hero and added on a fictional universe around him to sell toys. But honestly, that could just be a simple misreading of the tweet more than any particular insight. My thinking is it's a bit like in Jingle All The Way, just to make a Christmas reference because it's close to Christmas. There's like a Turbo Man TV show within the universe that the film is set in and everyone wants that toy because it's popular. That was my read of it. If anybody's different takes, then cool. We don't know anything about this at the moment. We have a close-up picture and a logo. That's all we've got. And a voice actor that's not Tim Allen, which some people are annoyed by as well. Yeah, well, we, we don't have enough really, do we yet? No. I'd assume, I think like you said, it was it's set in the world of Toy Story, you know, Andy and co. They're watching the movie of the in-universe astronaut who inspired the toy or the in-universe kids tv show that's like the toy is part of a range of yeah but again we have yeah like you said we have a, a name an actor and a, and a picture <laughs> so it could be anything it could be a horror movie <laughs> we have no idea cat what are your thoughts i guess maybe but generally i don't want this i don't care about buzz lightyear enough to want a movie there's nothing to warrant a buzz lightyear movie We've had his story. His story is a toy. I don't care about anything else. That's enough now. So, yeah, I'm just kind of like, really, man? There's all these incredible stories you could be adapting. There's original stuff that you and your Pixar people come up with. There's reviews of Soul that say that it's amazing. So they can still make good shit. Why? <laughs> we'll watch whatever you make, but that doesn't mean like you can keep making the same five things. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thanks. I never watched the, Toy Story 4. I didn't care. I don't care about this. It's no good. <laughs> I'm done. There was a, a cartoon called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which was essentially what I think this is going to be. Mm. It's the, here's the thing that people will watch that inspires the toy yeah. that people will buy. And 
it was a good cartoon for what it was. It was well thought out, it was watchable, and it was written by people that I've interviewed before on this podcast. So there we go. But no, I don't know if it needs to exist. I mean, I suppose nothing does, but one of the main criticisms of the Disney presentation was it's like, well, four hours and not one original idea. <laughs> it's all just connected to something else. Genuinely. And yeah, that's my issue with a lot of this. Yeah, it's exciting in a sense because, oh, you know, maybe you can make cool stuff about it. Who knows? Maybe it will be a good movie. It's just it takes the place of an original good movie that could be made instead. You could devote these resources and the time and the money that this movie will take and just make something new and awesome that could then generate more sequels. But instead, here's this tangential grasp at straws at best. Like, ugh. Sad. Just sad. Speaking of grasping at straws, we have an alien TV show in development with Noah Hawley at the helm. (laughs) And listeners to this podcast will know that we have a vested interest in Noah Hawley because we covered Legion and how insane that was. So the name attached to it interests me. The fact that they haven't made a good alien thing since the second film doesn't interest me. And I'm not sure Noah Hawley will be the one to break that trend. So I don't know. I'm torn on this and... I'm not sure it needs to exist. I feel like the Alien franchise should just be allowed to just die because they just can't make it good again. And they haven't succeeded in a long time. So that's my view on it. Aaron, more Noah Hawley, less Noah Hawley, or Noah Hawley doing something different, would you prefer? I want to see it just to see what he does with it. I've no interest in seeing the Alien whatsoever, but I I just need to know what he's going to do to it because if he turns it into this completely nutsoid thing, I have to see that. There was that Lucy in the Sky film, which I haven't seen yet, but apparently it was not great, according to a lot of people, so I don't know. So maybe he's a mixed bag sort of guy. His Star Trek thing is going nowhere, so who knows? But it's another thing, yeah, it's another recognisable name. So, Kat, I'm guessing your view on that is the same as the Lightyear thing? Mostly, yes. I don't have any particular attachment to the alien world. I enjoyed... Alien and Aliens, quite a bit. I don't think I've seen any of the other ones, or Prometheus, or anything like that. You're not missing a great deal. That's what I hear, and that's why I'm just not going to waste time that I could devote to watching something that I will like. So, you know. So, maybe, because I've heard from you and other people that Legion was great, and that there was some quite innovative and cool writing there. So, question mark, at the same time... The very concept, I'm not not the biggest fan, so yeah, I will probably miss this, to be honest. Fair enough. Isaac, you similar view? or uh, No, I think it sounds pretty interesting, sounds pretty fun. Yeah, the Alien one's kind of gone a bit weird. Like, I didn't see Covenant, but apparently it wasn't particularly amazing, and that line seemed to be losing momentum, so hopefully it's a bit more... And I'm like a, a fresh new take, so yeah, I'm up for this. Fair enough. Sounds good. So that was the only non-too big franchise stuff I really picked up on. There is other stuff, but we'd be here for days if we just talked about it all. So there's a Moana TV series and a Baymax TV series and all this stuff. So yeah, whatever. We'll see how that pans out. But Star Wars, 
what they did at Disney was they decided, oh, the Mandalorian's fine. Let's do 10 more of these, please. And we have Obi-Wan, which is already announced. Ahsoka, who recently appeared in a Mandalorian episode. Rangers of the New Republic, which is a thing. The Cast Nandor series, Star Wars Visions, which is some kind of animated thing. The Acolyte, which is unknown. Bad Batch, spin-off of Clone Wars. Lando, which presumably has Donald Glover reprising his role as Lando. Patty Jenkins is doing a Rogue Squadron movie. So after they decided not to release her film in most theatres, she's like, screw this, I'm off to Disney to do a Rogue Squadron movie. Some droid stuff and a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. So I'm just going to lump this all together because there's so much of it and there's so little we know of it. I know there's a Bad Batch trailer and stuff. I didn't like the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars when they appeared, but we've got Hayden Christensen returning to play Darth Vader in Obi-Wan, which I find really concerning because we're supposed to have this long stretch of canonical time where they don't meet until Vader kills him. And also, if Hayden's playing Darth Vader, why? He's just going to be in the suit. What's the difference? So that concerns me a lot. Plus, we still don't know if Hayden Christensen can act because he's usually been in terrible films. So it's unknown at this point. So... Anyway, in terms of the general Star Wars thing, oh yeah, Ahsoka, I watched the scenes with her in the Mandalorian episode she was in. I wasn't a huge fan of the Rosario Dawson portrayal. I think the voice is wrong. It, it, I just I didn't like that. But maybe they'll change how they approach her for her own show, so I don't know. So as a general Star Wars thing, Isaac, what do you think? So I was more interested in this and the Marvel stuff. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll sort of do like a lump, <laughs> a lump thingy, so let's go in order. <laughs> so yeah, Ahsoka, I again, I watched the scenes from my Mandalorian episode. Yeah, fine, cool. I, I like lightsabers. That could be fun. Obi-Wan I'm really excited about because I really enjoy the prequel Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hayden Christensen, I'm going to take a guess and say we'll see a lot of flashback meditation Anakin stuff because then you can see his face and it's worth getting him in. And yeah, I want to see a rematch. I like the prequels. That's sort of my area where I really enjoy them. So I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to that. Ranger of the New Republic, nah, not interested. I don't know what it is. And or I think Rogue One is the worst thing ever made. So none of that. <laughs> I really hate Rogue One. And this guy was boring and uninteresting, so I'm not interested in this at all. Uh, Star Wars Vision sounds pretty fun, the anime thing. I think that and the Acolyte, they're potentially, well, Acolyte definitely and the Vision's potentially not set in the eras we've seen lots of. <laughs> Because Acolyte's set in the High Republic ancient era. So that's a new era where it's not always TIE Fighters, which is new. <laughs> and Visions is short stories, so we could get anything each week. So I think they're the top two in terms of it's not the original trilogy. <laughs> like I said, Bad Batch is very boring. So I guess that's the same animation. Have they said it's is it animated? The same animation style as Clone? Yeah, or similar. Probably? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lando, he's fun. I enjoyed the Han Solo movie, so that should be good. And Donnie Glover. Is it Donnie Glover or Donald Glover? There's Donald two ones, yeah. I can't remember which is which. Donald Glover. <laughs> yeah, he was really good at it. So more of that's fantastic. Patty Jenkins, Rogue Squadron. Yeah, Patty Jenkins is great. Rogue Squadron. Uh, it's spaceship skits. Like, it's just X-Wings, I guess. I know that's a game series. Do you think that will be a mission outside of the films we've already seen? Or is this going to be, we're doing half or something? It probably will be. The games follow Wedge. You play as Wedge in most levels. Yeah. And yeah. So it's probably going to be, yeah, between 
A New Hope in Empire Strikes Back, Rogue Squadron were doing several attacks on Imperial stuff, and here's one of them, or yeah. a few of them. Yeah. Hopefully we get Gal Gadot as a ace pilot. <laughs> That'd be really fun. So I think that could be fun as long as it's not... I know it's going to be really army-ish. I think that's like the boringest part of Star Wars, <laughs> is the non-force stuff. But it's by Jenkins, so that's good. And it's a movie, so that should be exciting. Yeah. A droid story no one cares about. And Taikotiki, great. That should be a fun Star Wars movie, so... Yeah. If I say top three... Obi-Wan, Acolyte, and Taika Waititi. You actually touched on something there that I do think in general about Star Wars at the moment. It's too mired in its own history and its own nostalgia, so everything just keeps going back to the same stuff. Even the sequel trilogy, it's, we have the Empire, we have the Rebels, we just call them something different and it's the same setup. So yeah. I would like to see a different time period with different setup, but there's also the concern that they will just do... Empire and Rebels again, but it's just a thousand years later, and there's someone called Skywalker or whatever hanging around for some reason. So I guess time will tell, but I'm concerned about the fact that they just seem to be looping back to the same stuff over and over again. Like I, I watched the holiday special, the Lego one, and I thought it was dreadful for that reason. So that's what concerns me about Star Wars is the inability to move forward. And I'm not seeing a lot of moving forward in what they've announced here. So that's a problem for me. It is worrying. I'm hoping they do. Because I know they announced this High Republic and it was like a brand big thing and there was a picture of them all yeah. in like these white ceremonial robes. And that was it, <laughs> I guess. Maybe there was a book. But yeah, I'm, I'm sick of TIE Fighters and X-Wing. <laughs> yeah. They were a different era or, I don't know. Something new, yeah. Yeah, but I still, have, like, I still want lightsabers. <laughs> but... Yeah, just not some rebels doing a thing, or I don't watch The Mandalorian, but it sounds like each week is like, plus guest star, this famous character from Clone Wars. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure. Like you said, yeah, new is more exciting, but also everyone loves x and TIE Fighters. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, overall, like, compared to this and Marvel, I think more excited towards Star Wars stuff. Cool. Aaron, what do you think? I think this is the only thing on your entire list of stuff for this podcast that I'm actually excited about. Most of the rest of it has just been either I don't know enough to be interested or I'm a bit wary of it, but there's the Star Wars stuff I'm actually really interested in. I do get the point about it, the danger of it all being the same, but for me, The Mandalorian has proved that they can branch out. One of the reasons that I love The Mandalorian was because it was actually a Western, and the idea that you could take an existing property and change its genre is something that I've always in my heart known that I, I wanted to see and I've always believed it could be done and now I feel like I've actually been shown it and so the fact that it's a western is one of the best parts of the Mandalorian so I've got some faith that based on that principle they'll be able to take each of these things and put them into a different genre and some of them for different age ranges to like the droid story, I assume will be maybe a younger audience. If you are into watching an animated series, you'll be able to watch some of the animated shows, but if you're not, you'll pick from the rest. So you've not only got different genres possible pros, but you've also got different mediums, which can catch different audiences. And I think that is one of the most exciting things about it. So looking forward to that individually, I think Ahsoka was really well done. I loved what they did with Rosario Dust. I think that was an excellent choice, and there was everything about it really worked for me. So I'm in, I definitely would watch that. 
I'm intrigued that Obi-Wan is just a single series of four episodes, so they're not going to be all forced into creating a series that should allow it to be its own thing, which gives us more options, less restriction, and or I think they were saying it's going to be spy-based. So yeah, Mandalorian's Western and or can be a spy thriller. So I'm totally up for that, just because, again, if they can offer me something completely different, then I think that could be really interesting. And, and I can only hope that things like Rogue One, they make it, even if you don't necessarily enjoy it being a military venture, a military venture would be totally different to a spy thriller, would be totally different to a Western. And it just gives you that option to pick between. So I don't expect to like all 10 but the idea that I'm going to be able to pick and choose in a universe that I love between so many different variety of things, I think is actually very exciting. Yeah, valid. Kat, what do you think of all this Star Wars stuff? Cautiously, okay, let's see what you can do. I'm with Isaac in that I was hoping that there would be an exploration of more stuff than just the base conflict that we already know. But at the same time, I don't know enough about, say, the expanded universe, which was technically decanonized and all of that. So I don't know very much about it. I'm very excited about the Patty Jenkins project because that video of her being like, my dad was a pilot and I always wanted to make the greatest fighter pilot movie ever. And I finally found the right project to make the greatest fighter pilot movie ever. And it's a Star Wars thing. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. I'm kind of into it now. Okay. So I hope that because she has a personal connection to the subject matter slash there is already the Rogue's book, which from a lot of science fiction friends uh, in the publishing world, I've heard that it's a really good book. So if they end up using any of that as source material sounds like it would be a fun and good one. So, okay. I will say, though, I don't know. I found Rogue One to be the most boring of all the films, to be honest. <laughs> Partly because it's an external story, but kind of shoehorned into the conflict we already know. I was on the Rogue One podcast here, so always be plug in. Do check that out. <laughs> Yeah, I just, hmm. I hope it will be good. I'll wait and see. I actually haven't seen any of The Mandalorian, so I can't speak on it. I've obviously read all the buzz on the internet, and it's mostly so okay. Um, and I'll probably like it when I do end up catching up and watching it. And I'll probably end up checking a lot of these things out at least a few episodes of the TV things. And let's see, is my main takeaway. I hope that they will make good stories as long as it's not <laughs> retconned the next time that they make a movie or something, because I just don't have the patience to consume a bunch of stuff that they then go, oh yeah, and none of that matters. And it's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm off this train then. <laughs> Honestly, and Disney keeps doing this. They had the big kind of MCU plan, right? Originally with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then yeah. the network TV aspect before the Netflix deals came through. And I was quite enjoying that connectedness for a while until the Russos went, oh yeah, no, we're not really paying any attention to that. 
we're not going to use any of the stuff that they're doing because whatever, we're not going to. And it's just like, oh, okay. So like all of that emotional investment and the time that I've spent thinking that all of this is going to feed into the films. So that's for nothing. Great. And it just kind of like leaves you feeling a bit used. <laughs> they used me for my money and my time, you know? <laughs> so yeah, just with trepidation, similarly with a lot of the Marvel stuff that they've announced that they've got planned, as long as it all feeds in together and it is good, <laughs> as long as it's quality and it's not, not a waste of my time, then sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, could they be making things that aren't Star Wars but are also good stories? Yes. So my original <laughs> argument from a, a lot earlier <laughs> in the episode still stands must we make a bajillion Star Wars things? Is that necessary? Must we make, like, it's already a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> There's just so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and nice. with the Marvel stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because lo- like I say, like, as long as it's good, I'll keep eating it up because yeah. I'm just here for a good story. So <laughs> yeah. I do kind of feel like this is going to be over four or five years. <laughs> so it, it sounds a lot because it's not so far in yeah. advance. Yeah. Like, oh, here's a lump of things coming. But like, it should feel quite fresh if it's maybe two of these properties a year. Hmm. As long as they're not all out at once. Hopefully they kind of balance out. So, yeah, they have Patty Jenkins' movie comes out at the same time as more of like a mystical thing. So it's not like... Oh, just fighter pilots? Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. Well, that's a cinema release anyway. That's Christmas 2022, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like the Bad Batch, who are clones of the Clone Wars, and also... I don't know, Obi-Wan and lots of that will be about the Clone Wars. So hopefully they'll balance out like, here's a falsy mystical thing, here's more of a Rebels versus Empire thing. Like I said, hopefully it'll be over a few years, so it'll, it won't clog up too much, hopefully. It'll feel fresh, it'll feel like, oh yeah, we've had a nice <laughs> break from a Star Wars thing for another Star Wars thing. Slash, though, it's also, oh, here's like two things a year, so it's just as we've come off the one Star Wars thing, here's another Star Wars thing, and it's always Star War. Always. Or, you know, it's always the superheroes. You know, it's just kind of relentless is my other point that is just, okay, so it's not all coming out at once. It's just five years of just this. <laughs> like Craig said, there's <laughs> not a single original thing in there. Everything's a sequel, a franchise, a spinoff, a whatever. It's just going to be this for five years. <laughs> That's the next five years of our lives, y'all. Like, I'm just, it, it's a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I'm not saying it won't be good. It's just. It won't be new. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's what books are for, for me, because there's so much good stuff coming out in terms of science fiction and fantasy and the stuff that I enjoy in terms of genre. So at least we'll always have that. But it's just, you know, we could also have those movies, maybe, if Disney and other studios weren't chicken. (laughs) Because that's what this is about. They're all just chicken. (laughs) It's all about our franchises make money, so more of our franchises. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. That is a fair criticism. I would like to see original sci-fi ideas as well, rather than let's try and fit this into the Star Wars mold somehow. But I guess we'll see how it all pans out and the quality of 
at least some of this stuff. It's not going to be for everybody, even if you like Star Wars, which I do. I know that all of this isn't going to be for me. I don't like The Mandalorian, but that's okay because the franchise doesn't have to be just for me all the time. That's fine. I'm not arrogant enough to think that, no, no, everything they make needs to be to my liking, otherwise it's pointless. You know, it's, yeah, sure. If I don't like it, I just won't watch it. And as long as I don't feel like I have to watch it, I'm fine. If you're dragging me into something that I hate because it's going to connect to something else that I might like later, that's a problem for me. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Although it might happen with Marvel, which is the next thing. <laughs> I was about to say that's a good segue. As long as this nightmare doesn't exist, and now Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Hello listeners, Craig here, just with a quick editor's note. At this point, Aaron had to step away. Myself, Isaac and Kat continued on to discuss the Marvel announcements. Don't worry though, as I use time travel to let Aaron weigh in on them as well. And this can be heard towards the end of the podcast. So we had... Well, we actually had five trailers, although one of them isn't much of anything. So WandaVision with a new trailer. I feel like we have a decent enough outlook on what this show is going to be on the three or four trailers that have been released previously. So I don't have a lot to say about that more than what I've already said. I think it looked great and I can't wait to see it. And the other trailer hasn't convinced me otherwise. So that's good. So Kat, what do you think of WandaVision? I don't think you've been on an episode where it's been talked about. No, I haven't. I have to say I don't care about them at all whatsoever. Maybe, I don't know, I may be open to it if reviews are good and if you guys like it and you recommend it then i'll check it out but i'm just like (laughs) and we care about them because (laughs) and they deserve their own show because why (laughs) i don't understand it's just i feel like their story is played out like it's fine in the films i don't personally need (laughs) an entire show of Wanda and the Vision. I'm okay, thank you. But that's not to say it won't be good. Maybe it will be. So, shrug. We'll see. I'll check it out when it's out, and we'll let you know then. But right now, I'm just like, of all the things, of all the people, this is it. (laughs) Okay. Isaac, are you still excited? Has this trailer convinced you otherwise? Yeah, no, I'm the opposite. I think this might be my most anticipated thing for next year. I think it's just trapped in a weird sitcom universe like in every episode a different era this looks kind of like the fun part of half silly and half weird in like a you know an offbeat comics way where it's just there's a weird alternate realities that are made up of different eras of sitcom yeah obviously like Wanda and the Vision they've had their story through the movies but I think like these are two great characters that you can just chuck into thing and then each week's going to be like slightly weird and also a bit off and what we get from this most recent trailer it looks like the world starts to break down and they'll kind of realize they're prisoners and i'm bang up for this and this looks amazing oh yeah i think it looks great as well i can't wait to see it and it's only a month away as we record so not far off so we're nearly there finally got a trailer for falcon and winter soldier beyond the first tease i think it looks fine i think the trailer doesn't tell you what kind of show it's going to be i mean you've got the canyon chase where he's flying about and being shot at and things like that but other than that it doesn't really tell you what the show is it does show you that the production values across all these shows are top drawer though the same as they are for the film so they're not skimping on the cash that they're spending on them which is admirable in a way but I'm excited about it. I like those characters, so I'm not sure. We'll see again. I like it with her, then we'll see how it all pans out. I like the look of it, at least, even if I've not got a real flavour for what to expect. 
So, Kat, are you similar with this? You don't care about these people? or Actually, no. I quite like these characters, so I'm here for it. And especially if, I mean, let me stress this and make it clear right off the bat, I do not expect that they might do this, but there's just a lot of subtextual gayness with these <laughs> characters, and so I'm just here for the queer stuff, to be honest. I'm just here for the potential implication that maybe... Because I do not expect in the slightest <laughs> that they'll go there because they're chicken. Like I keep saying, <laughs> make them gay, you cowards. So possibly, yes, they were some of my favorite characters on the just MCU proper. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Isaac, what are your thoughts? I'm not that bust. I watched the trailer, but it's one of those, you know, when you're not really listening or paying attention. I've watched the trailer, but I can't tell you a scene. I can kind of remember the yeah the bit where like, Falcon's flying through a canyon and it's blowing up. Can't remember that bit. Maybe there's a scene with the Baron Zemo. <laughs> but but like, I watched this and it waved over me, and then I, I sort of like I don't remember. I didn't really see what happened. He shows up his Captain America costume in like a rugby game or something. Yeah, U.S. agent. Yeah. Yeah, I saw watched it and I was like, I'll I'll probably watch it when it's out, but it didn't really stick in my head, but. Not that these characters aren't fun, but also I don't quite understand what this is going to... Is this who's becoming the next Captain America? Because he gave the shield to Falcon, but then also the government are giving it to this rando. Is that the plot? <laughs> like they're giving it to this US agent guy? Yeah, who knows? It's not very clear what this is at the moment. So I'm sort of like, yeah, I'll probably watch it when it's out. But from that first trailer, I'm not particularly that excited. Fair play. The Loki trailer, the Loki trailer looks good fun. I really like the look of it. And it seems at the end of the trailer, they're sort of inserting him into history in different ways because there's this guy called D.B. Cooper, who's known as D.B. Cooper, who kind of stole a bunch of money, hijacked a plane, then jumped out of it and disappeared. And Loki is wearing like the same clothes that that guy was wearing. When he jumps out of the plane, you see money fly off and then obviously just disappears. So, Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what if they're going to do that? Is- Please. Please, this historical... Loki as D.B. Cooper. Yeah. The mystery is finally solved. <laughs> it's like this, this historical mystery, it was probably Loki. Yeah, they could just keep yeah. doing that. <laughs> One of the most famous mysteries. And yeah, yeah, it was Loki all along. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, yeah. Naturally. Yeah. I think the trailer looks great, though. It looks like a lot of fun. So that's my take on it. It looks fun. Yeah, I think there's certainly potential for a lot of fun. I don't know if they've like overplayed Loki so far. They've used him quite a bit and sometimes in not particularly interesting ways. So perhaps this is their chance to do better because it's a really good character and Hiddleston has a lot of fun playing him. My caveat is I'd like to see not just comedy, you know, like I'd like to see a little bit of depth to his character and to the stories that they decide to go with twofold reason one because just Hiddleston is really good at all the dramatic stuff you know I think his performance in the first Thor movie is what propelled him into stardom initially because he's just really good so I want him to be able to do that but also personally I'm kind of and I think I've touched on this on other podcasts previously but I'm just kind of, everything's quippy and just like sarcastic and like, it just gets old kind of quickly for me. Generally, the Tony Stark approach to like, 
I just have a quip for everything is not particularly interesting to me. So I just want to see a little bit of both, like a bit of balance, I think would be fine. But we'll see. Obviously, you know, no trailer can tell us the full extent. We'll have to see the show to see how it turns out. But it's one that I've been excited about from the beginning whenever it was first announced yonks ago. <laughs> yeah. and the trailer does suggest that there's stuff going on that's possibly yeah. more intense than, you know, and obviously Loki's a trickster, so he'll mess about as he's going along. So we'll, we'll see. What the, and this is kind of a pre-redemption Loki as well, which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I would even argue his redemption, whatever, the the quote-unquote redemption, because it was just half-assed and messy and I don't know. He got redemption, but then he was like, Neener, never mind, I'm back on my bullshit. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, actually, man, can you stop? Can you just stop? (laughs) So I don't know that we ever properly got... I have a lot of feelings, a lot of grudges I'm holding (laughs) with the treatment of Loki (laughs) as a character generally. I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll get into that more when we talk about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isaac, do you like this? Yeah, I think following from what Kat was saying, considering he's like the god of stories and lies and deception, I'm not in the first two Thor films, but this Loki isn't very, do much illusion or deception or lying. I kind of I feel like they've never really done that much with him. I want to see, ideally, in this series or something, he's only in this time prison because it'll turn out that he wants to be there or it's benefiting him or it's a trick. I want to see him always be ahead and everyone thinks they're using him, but really it's so he's playing them. And I kind of feel like his Loki's never really had a proper... He's really controlling everything sort of feel, yeah. which I kind of think would be more fun. So obviously this might happen in this show, but I want to see more done with him was it Owen Wilson says everything you say is a lie yeah. and it's like not really. that's not really that true for this Loki like, <laughs> he did that one trick in Avengers where he made Thor think he was in the lift <laughs> but he wasn't in the lift but other than that he's pretty much as soon as he's in the slightest bit of trouble he's like oh, I give up <laughs> you got me so I'm hoping he's a bit more devious and crafty in this yeah well he did pretend to be Odin for a while that's kind of tricky yeah, but even then, Thor was like, you're, you're not Odin. And he was like, you got me. Um, like, he didn't have another trick out of it. He can shapeshift. Also, I want child Loki. I want lady Loki. I want Richard E. Grant Loki. I want different Lokis. There's not just Tom Hiddleston. Absolutely, yes. He, he can be, uh, yeah, he can be absolutely anything. agreed on that. Mm-hmm. This is more for, I've been reading up on Gore the God Butcher and that storyline ahead of Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. And there's an incredible Loki story where he turns into a worm and tortures a planet for 90,000 years because it's ego the living planet and he's holding this all-powerful thing this weapon and he just pretends to be like a a little it's like the story of like a little worm and he just keeps whispering in ego's ear and ego's ripping himself apart there's earthquakes and volcanoes and he's just worming through whispering and he's just like torturing him (laughs) just for ages just to get what he wants it's just like it's such a devious nasty little thing and I was like, yes, I want this Loki. I want a Loki who he's puppeting everyone around mm. him. So I'm really hoping we get just more trickery out of this one. Yeah, I agree. I think they really need to embrace the potential the character has. And they might do it. We just don't know. The trailer doesn't give you that much, but gives you something. So that's something. The What If trailer? I don't have much to say about it other than I like the What If stuff, comics that I've read. And I think it's just a fun concept. And 
it'll be the last time we get to see Chadwick Boseman, or get to hear him, I guess, as a different version of T'Challa and Peggy as Captain America sort of thing and Marvel Zombies with the Winter Soldier. Sure, yeah, it looks fun. What if stuff? Just get to go nuts and play around with different possibilities. So that sounds cool. And it's very possible they'll bring it into the live-action MCU through multiverse travel stuff. So we'll get to see Peggy as a live-action Captain America type later on. I don't know. Who knows? Anything could happen. So, Isaac, do you like this trailer too? Yeah. Again, like you said, there's not much to go on. Again, like what looks like kind of a boring Doctor Strange one, where it's just Doctor Strange versus evil Doctor Strange. <laughs> you know what that fussed about? That's just like, what if there was also an evil workload or something? <laughs> but like I said, it's kind of like each one is fun and separate, and they look kind of like they should be just sort of decent 15 minute bits. But obviously, yeah, it's, this is out of the ones, this doesn't look like it's the mo- it's more separate. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be fun. It'll be nice. But yes, obviously we'll see more as we as we get more about it. Yeah. Kat, you have a similar disposition on what if? Yeah, I would say so. I haven't read any of the comics, so I'm just completely coming into this fresh. As with a lot of the MCU stuff, really, mostly my comic book days were kind of pre-moving to the UK because that's when I got into manga. <laughs> so that's, you know, <laughs> a time. So yeah, so like I'd been reading a lot of Daredevil and like, and so that was like my kind of universe so to speak so a lot of this is very like oh okay so this exists it's interesting also kind of like it feels a little second rate if that makes any sense so like you know just like yeah like oh here's this thing well well, what if this happened and it's just like okay sure i guess it's an interesting thought experiment and i think at least will be good i expect the kind of hit and miss rich in there but yeah i think on the whole i'm just kind of like yeah okay that sounds all right at least it's more fun spin on a lot of this stuff which it's cool to take some of these characters and just kind of spin them a little bit and do something else yeah that's fair so ms marvel there is actually kind of a trait it was more of a feature talking about how great is this character she's new and everybody loves her and but they've actually got some footage in there which surprised me i mean i know they're filming it but they put that together really quickly i love the character i'm looking forward to seeing her come to life she's going to be in captain marvel 2 as well so possibly that's where they'll introduce her or maybe the show will be first i don't know but i'm here for it i think it looks great based on what i've seen Nothing to say on it so far, really, in terms of what they're doing with it, but good that they're giving this character's time in the limelight, especially after people know her from the Avengers game and whatever else. So it's the right time, I think. Yeah, I think I'm quite interested in this because it's a little bit more funky. So I'm here for that, Yeah, for sure. Isaac, you like Miss Marvel as well, don't you? Yeah, I I love Miss Marvel. I think she's great. Of of the new characters and also this show, I think it's a... Is it all Muslim or mostly Muslim behind the scenes, like the directors and writers? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, this is one. It's fun and nice. I think when they announced, like, She-Hulk, this and Moon Knight, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is the one I've been quite excited for for a bit. So, yeah, yeah I can't remember the actress's name, but she seemed just really happy to be there. Oh, yeah. Which seems to fit. That video of the Zoom call that they had with her to tell her she got the part, that yeah. was just so, like, precious. <laughs> I think the best way yeah, to describe it. Yeah, super charming. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will be super nice and pleasant. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. 
so the rest of the stuff, I'm just going to kind of rock it through it because it's, there's not much to say on it. The Hawkeye series, Haley Steinfeld has been seen on set so that we know she's in it. So that's cool. I like that. The She-Hulk show, Tatiana Maslany is confirmed after saying that she wasn't doing it, but they've confirmed her now. Mark Ruffalo is going to be in it, which is great. Tim Roth is in it, which is great for me. I like the Tim Roth character and perhaps other special guests, which might be Daredevil because it's a law show, I guess, or law will be part of it. Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be called Quantumania, which I think is a great title. And we've got Catherine Newton coming on playing Cassie Lang, recasting her from Avengers Endgame, which the poor actor that played her in Endgame seemed a bit upset about it, which, yeah, it's a shame she's had that role taken away from her. Catherine Newton's good, though, so I'm looking forward to seeing her. Samuel Jackson for Secret Invasion with Ben Mendelsohn, so we'll see how that pans out. Good to see them two together again. We've got Ironheart. This take is a genius inventor who makes an advanced Iron Man-like suit somehow. So it seems like that's going to be not like the comics, as in Tony Stark's not part of her origin, at least directly. Armor Wars, we've got some kind of people building Iron Man suits and James Rhodes has to stop it. So I'm here for that. I'm here for all of this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and I am Groot Shorts. Yeah, here for it all. So... That's me just shotgun through it. I'll talk about Fantastic Four separately, but shotgun through it. So those things that I've just listed, Kat, what do you think? It's a lot, but yeah. Mostly, okay, great. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think, I don't know. I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast or what, but I just don't care (laughs) about these people. It's, I don't know. Maybe if the writing's good, question mark, but it's not something I will run to watch. The Hawkeye one, I'm, I think, probably most excited about. Hoping that Jeremy Renner doesn't have too much screen time because like, I'm done with Jeremy Renner. Honestly, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like Hayley St- uh, Oh my God, Stanfeld. <laughs> However you pronounce it. However you pronounce it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> Hayley. <laughs> You're a lovely girl. Um, yeah, I quite, I quite like her. I think she's a pretty good actor she's done pretty well with everything she's set her mind to and from what i've read i think this would be quite my speed um i just i don't know enough about it yeah what else did you mention sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah just rocket you through it things like iron heart oh yeah be stuff you're not Mm. super familiar with yeah i think our iron heart i'm quite interested by some bits and bobs about that character and the actress who's playing her, she was really good in The Old Guard. Oh, that's who she is. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. really enjoyed Yeah, like, you could tell that girl's going to be something, you know, like, she's just like, okay, great, you're to watch, you're going to do great mm. things. I'm just really glad that that's taking off, and I think that some of the writers who are involved in Ironheart are quite well-respected in the science fiction world, so I think they're going to do the best job they can possibly do with what they're given in terms of budget and stuff so yeah yeah which is probably functionally unlimited (laughs) (laughs) being a keyword (laughs) i don't know how these things are what the priority will be for disney there's just a lot which i would say is commendable you know a lot of this stuff is less with the exception of wandavision and oh my god i'd bucky what's bucky's character's name (laughs) His, his character name, Bucky. That is yes, but that's name. not what the show is called. Anyway, um, I'm tired. Oh, Winter, <laughs> Winter Soldier. So, thank you. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Those, because they have the film 
actors in there presumably will get a bit more like a bigger slice of the pie if that makes sense Uh, at least i would expect it to i just hope the other shows that don't necessarily feature mcu names will also get a decent chunk of money to make it look as good as it can just to, to give each story the room it needs to be told as long as that's done that's that's okay argue for like oh just throw all the money at them it was said that they were committed to making there be no difference between the production value quality of their tv stuff or their streaming stuff and their cinematic theatrical yeah which is awesome yeah absolutely yeah that's definitely on Mm -hmm. display with the trailers we've seen yeah so if it continues on Mm -hmm. throughout their output and it seems like there's characters that are just turning up all over the place Mm -hmm. as well i mean you know ms marvel's going to be in the film and her own show florence pugh's black widow is turning up in at least two other shows so she's going to be in falcon and winter soldier and i forget what the other one was one of the other ones Mm -hmm. the hawkeye one i think that was it i think she's in that one so it does seem like there's no taboo against it. Oh, you're on the TV show, huh? You're not as good as the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. No, what I mean, not necessarily in terms of the production quality difference between the films, but what, what I'm saying is just because a character is less well-known, thinking about Ironheart, yeah. for example, you know, like you've got character of color. I just want them to do that story justice, that character justice, and to give them equal playing room to just do whatever the hell they want and to make a good story. I feel like there's certainly like the possibility to make some really cool stuff within a sandbox that's kind of, as we've touched upon, ugh, franchises, ugh. But you could still do like some cool stuff with it. And if you allow these stories the room that they would naturally i'm excited to see the less jazzy ones if that makes sense yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if don Cheadle turns up in iron heart as well just to kind of give it a connection oh yeah for sure plus with the armor type thing it's going to be like yeah the, mm-hmm. that's the one yeah. yeah yeah so isaac what do you think of all these things yeah i've sort of gone through pretty fast because most of them i'm like okay but I don't have anything to say about them. So I'll just sort of go through the bits that I do have to say. So obviously Captain Marvel 2 I'm very excited about. I'm glad that they're giving her some friends because I think she mm. works better with other people. So Miss Marvel, Monica Rambeau. So that should be really good. Ant-Man's fighting Kang the Conqueror. Yes. <laughs> that's quite an impressive villain to give him. <laughs> so that could be, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to Quantumania, even though the last one was pretty bad. <laughs> the, the ghost the ghost one. Yes. Oh, I'm on the wasp. That wasn't. That's fantastic. Thor, Love and Thunder should be pretty great because I've, I've been reading the Jason Aaron Thor stuff, which is all called The God Butcher mm-hmm. and Jane Foster Thor and stuff. So it's really great. So Ragnarok was really great as well. So I'm very excited about that. And then, yeah, basically everything else. Cool. Obviously, there's lots of just logos and there's none that I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> but most of them, I'll just wait and see. Fair play. So last thing, Fantastic Four has been confirmed and it's the same director as the last two Spider-Man movies, John Watts. So the three Spider-Man movies, same guy. It's a good pick and it seems like he's the the new big cheese at Marvel, the director they like to work with for reasons. I don't know what reasons they are, but they like working with him. So I'm glad we're getting this and I can't wait to see what the take in it will be. The interesting thing is that Kang the Conqueror has been confirmed as he is, at least in the comics, he's a descendant of Reed Richards, 
way far in the future. And the fact that they've cast a non-white actor to play him might give you some indication of what they're planning to do with Reed Richards in terms of race, maybe. But who knows? Because they might remove that familial connection because Kang is also related to like Doctor Doom in some ways as well. So no one knows. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Fantastic Four are adapted this time. I mean, they're starting off well because they automatically can't really be the worst one, thankfully. So that's a good start. But how they fold them into the Marvel Universe really interests me. So yeah. Isaac, what do you think of Fantastic Four? It's one of those ones like I'm not read or seen anything of them including the movies so i don't know anything about them except that all the movies haven't been very good so maybe fourth time's the chance i can't wait till they do the fantastic four crossover thing where you get like michael b jordan and miles teller and chris evans coming back to you know interact yeah. with the new fantastic four now, yeah this this is the one of the ones on my list of i don't know <laughs> i can sure obviously it was a it was on the way because everyone wants this. Yeah. But I don't know anything about the characters, so I'll just see it when I when I see it. Kat, what do you think? I think I'm on the same page as Isaac, in all honesty. I don't know. Um, <laughs> a c- question mark? I don't really need another Fantastic Four movie in my life at this moment. Maybe in two years I you'll be feel differently. can see. Yeah, maybe. And at the same time, you know, like I can kind of see, let me put it this way, in a general sense, CU proper has not let me down. They had an idea, they went with it, they built layers of stuff. And so bringing this up first, they have stuff in mind for how to link things and how to whatever. So, okay, let's see is my thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't remember. if Did we do a podcast on Fantastic Four? Was I on that episode? No, we didn't. No. Controversially, I didn't hate the Josh Trank movie. So... Maybe we'll revisit it before <laughs> the, this one comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, to be continued on that. Yeah. But yeah, the TLDR is I didn't hate that film. It's definitely flawed, but it, I didn't hate it. And and so I'm just like, you know, we just had one. <laughs> Literally just now. It wasn't that long ago. We just had one. The, the same could have been said about Spider-Man when that was announced. I was going to say exactly yeah. that. It's how I felt about the Tom Holland movies <laughs> when they were first announced. I love that being said. I may yet love this Fantastic Four iteration. Possibly. Who knows? Yeah. I do love the Tom Holland well, Spider-Man's, but I they were announced. It was like, we literally just had one. We just had, like, two of them. And, like, yes, one of them wasn't great, but, like... <laughs> and so just to have that so soon... Eh, okay. I trust that maybe, maybe, question mark, you know what you're doing? Eh, someone must. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. I don't have blind faith, <laughs> but... In terms of just the bigger picture, MCU kind of things, overall, yes, like there's films in there that I didn't like, but overall, like the the, the 23 movie arc. (laughs) They've built up enough good faith to make this something that probably won't suck. So that's certainly a very good way to put it. Yeah. All the fan casting always makes me laugh, though, and things like this, you know, where people are saying, oh, you must get this person to play them, you know, and it's never considered whether that person wants The John Krasinski, Emily Blunt posters. They're married, so you might as well do that. 
both pretty good actors and what, whatever. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't hate it, but... And they were almost in Marvel films also, before as well. I don't know. Yeah, so. Hmm. <laughs> but it's just, but it, yeah, it is funny. I mean, fan cast. We had Frasier as Doctor Doom, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to do yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, it's, but it's all this because the fans have spoken. Like, it doesn't matter what they want to do; they just get kidnapped, bundled in a van, and it's like, no, you're Reed Richards, and you have no choice. <laughs> and by the way, you need to do this for ten films, some of which will be like crossover stuff. But you've got to do it now. That's it. Your life is now ours. You have no choice because the fans have said that you have to. It has been decreed. Yeah. I really hope they get a Johnny Storm, assuming that Peter Parker hangs around in the MCU. I hope they get a Johnny Storm that mm. is ages with him so that they can do some interaction stuff. I think that'd be great. Do they interact a lot in the comics? They yeah, they're, they're kind of like best friends. Oh, they have an, an, that's an antagonistic relationship to begin with, but they become friends over mm. time. So, But that's the way Spider-Man's team-ups always happen. They start off antagonistic and then they see the way forward, which doesn't work with Tom Holland because he's always like, oh, another superhero. Hi, I'm Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> because he's a precious, <laughs> yeah. yes. Precious, precious baby. Yeah, whereas the original Spider-Man's <laughs> all like, I work alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to work with you or I'm going to fight you because I think that you did this criminal thing. And he does like warm up to characters yeah. eventually. But so we'll see. I mean, it's interesting. It's confirmed that Yeah, it could be it. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. He'd be a good friend for Tom Holland. <laughs> Maybe Harry Styles? Maybe not. I had the him and Tom Holland to be nice. <laughs> Do you know what? The Harry Styles superhero. Honestly, bring it. Yes, please. He'd be a good friend for Tom Holland. <laughs> Just... Disney, are you listening? Please. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to sound like a reality show now, isn't it? Who'd be a good friend for Tom Holland? He's here, actually. All jokes aside, he was great at Dunkirk. I think he really has potential. Let's explore, but put him in spandex. (laughs) (laughs) And set him on fire, perhaps. The world needs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. We can park the who's a good friend for Tom Holland discussion till a later time, I guess. (laughs) So that's it. We made our way through everything. I think if Disney hadn't dropped so much stuff, we'd have had a much quicker discussion. But bloody Disney are always doing this to me. Bloody Disney. Stop God it. damn it, Disney. Yeah, just, yeah. It just makes me laugh, all these investors, these people that only care about money watching this investor meeting to find out if their investment is protected over the next few years. and they're You're fine. Yeah, the image is the old Fox. gray-haired white man watching this thing and he has no idea yeah. what an Ahsoka is, but he just wants to know if it's going to make him money. Okay, so I've plucked Aaron from the time stream to discuss Marvel stuff because he had to go, but also wanted to discuss Marvel stuff. So we did a bit of time travel, which is what this podcast does. So let's start with the five trailers that we got. I mean, four in a bit because one of them's not really a trailer, but one division. So did that give you anything that you didn't already know about the show? Did it make you more excited or just about the same? The thing about the one division is I've been following it online. So it probably didn't give me any more than I already knew, but it, it kind of didn't need to because I was already hooked in enough to go and search for information myself. So, you know, that's not a bad thing. Anybody that's not got time to go to search for stuff can have a second trailer and be more into it. But I'm ready. I'm on board. I'm actually hoping to watch this one with Laura as well, who's not interested mm-hmm. in superhero stuff. And we'll see if that is an experiment that works or not. Yeah, it's kind of more of the same in terms of trailers. It's They're stuck in a weird sitcom world. There's some weirdness behind it that they have to deal with in the real world, probably. And then that's about it. 
we don't know much else, which is good. I think they've given us enough for now. If you're the sort of person that, that's only interested in it because of which other characters might show up, then maybe you needed to watch all of the trailers. But I think most people are either going to be bought in or not by the fact that it's showing you a bit as a soap opera. I think that's the majority of people will be attracted to that or they'll already be turned off. So Yeah. Plus, it's not far away, no. so not long to go now. I'm no, actually looking forward to that one. Yeah. I'm sure we'll try and podcast about that when it's done, maybe. Who knows? I think it'd be an interesting topic because, like, when, not like but not like Legion, it's not like Legion at all, but like Legion, it, they've tried to do something different, and that's almost worth a conversation, whether it's good or not. So it could definitely go on the cards. Yes, I'll put it on the spreadsheet. Listeners, there is a spreadsheet. <laughs> of stuff that we're planning to do. <laughs> Next up, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Finally got a trailer, and you were talking last time about how you have no idea what this show mm. is. So I don't think this trailer gives you that either, interestingly. I don't think I know necessarily much about the plot, maybe, but I know what style of show it is now. And given that Division seems to be selling itself on what style of show it is, I think that was then okay for me to follow up with another style of show. It's a body movie and it's going to be action, military action, thriller action. That makes it sufficiently different from all of the other ones that I feel like I know what I need to know. Although one of the crucial parts was going to be how well do these people play off each other? Because if you're going into a body film, then the buddies need to be really worth watching. Otherwise, you are just watching yeah. a bunch of action scenes. So I'm not necessarily expecting to get loads from the plot in that sense. I'm Not that I'm thinking there's going to be none, but it, it's almost secondary to whether I like the charisma of the two people playing off each other. And I saw enough. I don't think I was blown away by it. I will say that I wasn't sort of belly laughing. I wasn't totally in on it, but... It hit what it needed to hit, I think, which is one of them's sort of cool and funny and has got all the jokes and takes the risks. And then the other one is this curmudgeon old guy who's got a lot of power, obviously, but is very much, should we be doing this? What are we doing? Stop telling jokes. This is serious. And it's that's classic buddy movie. So it's done enough. I will want to watch it. I guess I'm just not blown away yet, but maybe I will be when I do see it. Yeah. And I guess out of all the trailers, it feels more traditional in the sense of what you would expect from a Marvel movie trailer. It starts off with some imagery that gives you an idea of what they might be tackling. You get the smash cut of the big set piece that's in there, which in this case is the canyon chase with the helicopter and so on, which looks great. I think it's... Definitely a highlight that they're fulfilling the promise of having no difference between the production values of their TV and their film, Mm -hmm. or their streaming in their film. And we said this in the other discussion that you weren't part of as well. It's just they're really throwing the same kind of money at these things, which is commendable. Yeah, and hopefully they would get the payoff on it, and it's it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. It'll be once it's all bedded in and everybody in the world has Disney Plus, they'll just cut the budgets and then... (laughs) expect us to take it when the later shows the the ones that are out in like six years or so will be oh yeah we're not spending any money on these anymore because we've got you already hopefully (laughs) it'll be less cynical than that hopefully it's the ones that intend to be 
ongoing TV series will end up facing more of a TV budget. But anything where they're saying right from the outset, it is a mini series. And this is what you're getting, then that'll be yeah. worth spending it because it is like spending it on a film, but just cutting that film into bits. So, Yeah. And the Loki trailer, what did you think of the Loki trailer? I thought it looked really fun. I think it could be interesting as well. It was completely not what I thought it was going to be. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but I looked at it and go, yep, that's not it. And it was fun. I think <laughs> it has to be Guardians of the Galaxy fun because it's a bit crazy and it's Loki. Both of those two reasons mean that this has to be hilarious. I think, like with the other stuff, I didn't find myself laughing out loud, but... I guess I've got the trust in the character that I don't need to get that from the trailer. Or maybe I'm not expecting to get that from the trailer. So I think I agree with what you say. It looks kind of fun, and I hope it is. At the moment, though, because I didn't get massive laughs from the trailer, I guess I've got it slightly at the back of my queue. But I don't expect it to stay there. I can't see that they can screw up Loki and not make it really fun. Surely not. There's got to be loads of little gags and one-liners and him doing stupid things and they set him a mission and he just does his own thing but it works out anyway and then they will have a laugh except only he's laughing and so on and so on and so on so yeah it has to be doesn't it just because it's loki yeah and isaac made an interesting point about this the mcu loki isn't really the trickster he doesn't do much in the way of tricking he's more villainous than he is tricky the only real trick that he pulls off, again, as Isaac said, was in the Avengers, he pretends to be in a cage and then isn't. Yes. So that's about it. So Isaac's suggestion was that if it is a time-hopping show, it's possible that this is how he becomes that within mythology. It could be. I've seen other stuff online just because I've been trying to get into this and see what's going on. I've seen other stuff online where he just meets loads and loads of other versions of himself. And so one of the versions is going to be potentially a real proper trickster and they can just pull all manner of different versions of him from the comics or make up their own so i think they will see that but how it actually manifests yeah either way and a totally different way yeah and the end of the trailer also suggests that he is db cooper the guy who stole a bunch of money hijacked a plane and then disappeared i didn't know that legend actually it was when i was gonna look at i say legend urban yeah. legend myth mystery i was gonna look it up but When you're doing any form of historical stuff, be it future history or past history, there is always the bit where the writers go and research something and say, it was our guy, what did it? So I was expecting that. I personally hope they don't get hung up on those things, though, because when you start crowbarring them in, it becomes too obvious that you've done that just because you thought it was a cool writing gimmick and actually when it comes to the plot it didn't really add anything so i'm not saying i hated it i just do hope that they focus heavily on loki rather than trying to make it go down the xena warrior princess route where xena was actually responsible for every single thing that happened in history (laughs) ever and you're just thinking stop it that this isn't why i'm here to watch this you know one or two things is fine but yeah if every episode is he jumps to another point in history and ends up becoming a influential figure in some way that'll get old real fast it's like no human beings could do anything of import because loki did it all exactly yeah <laughs> but yeah you're for it i'm looking forward to it i think it's gonna be cool tom hiddleston's great in the role so 
There's no reason that it shouldn't be good. What if animated? What if it's that's what it says in the tin? What if T'Challa was Star Lord? What if Peggy was Captain America? What if the Winter Soldier fought a zombie Captain America? Things like that. <laughs> I think it looks really fun. It's probably the most not disposable of them, but the least connected certainly, unless they really commit to this full multiverse thing and start bringing in the sort of Peggy Captain America and live action and things, which I wouldn't put past them at this point. Uh, I like to keep them where they are, though, because this brings us back to what, for me, what I was bringing up with the Spider-Man setup. I want the main plot line to stay grounded so I can really get the proper connection with the story. I don't want to get lost into, and then this happens and then that happens and just trying to link everything together because it looks good on paper. I I think you you really do lose your connection to the characters when they do that. So I'm totally into a what if show and would happily watch them all because they are fun and interesting ideas, but I want it to stay. What if I want this to be the ideas that we couldn't fit in anywhere else but they are pretty cool. Let's just do a one-off and then leave it that way and enjoy it for that. And Then they will be good, I think, with that. Yeah, that's broadly what the comics were. Just what if this happened instead of the thing that you read happened? And usually they would take it to such a ridiculous degree because they can, because it doesn't go anywhere and doesn't mean yes. anything. But you would think that, for example, if Spider-Man had revealed his identity to Gwen Stacy at that point in time, it wouldn't have played out in this way because they would have had to keep continuity going to some degree in an ongoing comic series. They wouldn't have upended everything in that way. So it'll be a bit like that. Yeah, this could never have happened in any of the films because we have to get back to zero in effect by the end of it in some way. You know, it moves on, but the characters still need to be there and doing stuff. So you would never have these things play out in that way. No, not without it being a massive plot arc. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. for sure. Final trailer, kind of, Ms. Marvel. It was more of a featurette talking about how great the character is. There's a little bit of footage in there, though, which surprised me because they only recently started filming. So they just threw in pictures of her in her room and whatever else. So yeah. And the Zoom call showing her accepting the role or being given the role. And it was just it was such a great little excited moment for her. I think this show is going to be... With like a million people. Yeah. I mean, poor girl was like, let's introduce you to the entire crew and and you must react. You know, it's like, be an actress yeah. now. That's a bit harsh. It's your first acting job. You're going to be in this TV series. You're going to be in Captain Marvel yeah, exactly. 2. You're going to be in probably 10 other things. So we, we've got you until you're 40. <laughs> Just settle in. <laughs> but I like this character. I don't know how familiar you are with her, but I think it's the right time for it to sort of shoot into the mainstream in terms of the films and so on. So I'm really excited for this. She's the biggest breath of fresh air to come into Marvel Comics in a long time. So maybe it'll be the same here. Yeah, I really don't know anything about the the character at all other than what I've seen in the analyses of what's coming. I've heard people talk about the Young Avengers. I've heard people talk about the various crossovers where we're going to see hints here, there and everywhere of it. And I can see this being something that spins out into its own little arc when they do bring in all the other characters that Ms. Marvel is going to connect to. And it doesn't fill me with dread that it could just be another way to make infinite money. It does actually seem like they are trying to branch into something meaningful. And 
most interesting was the idea that when they start doing stuff like this, this whole idea that the Avengers is going to be a world property. And I do mean property because the viewers like to sort of feel like it's their characters. You know, we enjoy this. And that's yeah. how you end up getting in trouble online because you don't realize the fans that really are that connected. But if they do manage to make the Avengers a world property rather than just being all American superheroes, then that will actually be an important step. It will be something that people can sort of start to come together and all enjoy in this internet age. So it does seem like it opens a door already. Whether they actually properly go through it or not, who knows? I've no idea what's in the next arc of Avengers This, Avengers That, the other spin-offs, TV shows, but massive opportunities. Yeah. And the thing about Ms. Marvel, beyond the whole representation piece, which is super important, it's a big part of her framework, is she offered representation where none existed, like literally none existed. But it's also this idea of a fan of superheroes becomes a superhero. That's the epitome of yeah. the film. So yes. she chooses the Ms. Marvel identity because she loves Captain Marvel. So even though their powers are in no way alike... It's because she idolises Carol Danvers, or I don't know if she knows who she is at that point, but she idolises Captain Marvel, so therefore models her identity on her. And as time goes on, she crosses over with various other heroes. I think her first crossover was with Wolverine, which was great. Eventually she meets Spider-Man, and it was almost the, yeah, but I was you, like, 10 years ago in his lifetime, like 50 years ago in real time, but it was the new me in terms of the brand you know marvel's premier teenage superhero you are it now so off you go you have my blessing kind of thing so i don't know if they'll do that here because she's not that much younger than peter parker if she's any younger at all depends what age they make her i'm guessing she'll be about 15 but it will be crazy if this phenomenon of superheroes goes on long enough that we do actually have generations like the actors pass the torch in the same way that the characters are passing the yeah. torch that would just be weird, but possible. I might as well bring this in now then, because that's kind of what Ironheart is. Except Iron Man or Tony Stark's not directly passing the torch to her, but in the comics, they were connected in in some way. I haven't read much of Ironheart, but she has a like Tony Stark AI in her suit when Tony Stark believed dead, which I don't think will happen here. But it's interesting because it seems like she is a, you know, a young genius that makes a, a an advanced armor suit that's like Iron Man's in this universe. So it is almost the inheritors of the legacy is what the next few phases are about. You still have the older people lingering about, but it seems that they are passing things on. And it does really seem like a Young Avengers is definitely going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. So they're definitely going for it. Yeah. So the Ironheart concept interests me in that way because... It's just a fresh take on kind of something familiar. And I wouldn't be surprised if Don Cheadle turns up in that one. Yeah, everything you watch now has got the, we're going to do an Easter egg for this or a crossover with that, which does really help to build the universe. So I would say that's a, if that's the way they choose to go with it, I think that could be a good partnership. Both of them are some way connected yeah. to Iron Man. That gives you a bit of emotion in there. So yeah. yeah and you've got work. Florence Pugh's Black Widow turning up in a few things as well. She's turned up in Hawkeye, Falcon the Winter Soldier, I think, and something else. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. I maybe even mentioned it in the last discussion. Or maybe I couldn't remember then either. 
I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner's in a show where he's training a an assistant, a successor, who knows, but it's Hayley Steinfeld's definitely playing the role and that's great because she's great. So having her in that role will be really good. Yeah, and more of the same. Uh, an actual passing of the torch already. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't really know much about that one, but it follows a nice theme. I do like to see my themes. I do like to see direction and purpose. And the ones in Marvel has actually convinced me right from, from early on is, yeah, we're going somewhere. So I trust that that will fit in very nicely. Yeah, and it's great that they have a plan when all their big names are moving on as well. It's not that that's broken their franchise. Yes. It remains to be seen whether the success will continue when you don't have your Chris Evans and your Robert Downey Juniors and whoever else. But the fact that they're confidently making these things suggests that they're not super worried about not having these people around. I think if they build it, which they have shown they can do, then it will still work. What they have to do is get the crossover you like this character, come and watch it. Oh, by the end of this film, you now like this other character. <laughs> Stay and watch them. So as, as long as they do do these constant crossovers and actually pass the torch rather than just immediately giving you different things, we will just flow with it. So yeah. I think they've proven that they can do that. and They're, they're sh- showing us here. I'm yeah. confident, I think. Yeah. We already touched on Captain Marvel 2. It's happening. You'll have yeah. Monica Rambeau in it. And the older version, who is also in One Division, so there's another connection. And Ms. Marvel will be in it because, well, she has to be. It makes sense for them to meet. For the power level required, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Black Panther 2, they're not recasting, but it's also not clear what they're going to do. I imagine just because they don't know. I mean, what do we do next? The only thing I've seen online is that somebody said they'd heard something on Twitter because somebody's cousin had posted it here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> it was that they wanted to focus on his legacy, so they're going to carry on with Wakanda mm-hmm. and show you what a good civilization can and can't do, what trouble it faces. And I could see that happily working, and it could be almost a little homage to the lost king that made it what it is arguably if they go down that route so there's options on there without having to use the one character that would still honor that one character i think yeah i imagine they'll still have at least one person in a black panther suit though because that's the brand sure why not yeah but in the same way that all the other things are as we've already said quote passing the torch there you go yeah, yeah you are the next black panther because Wakanda needs a new king. Congratulations. You thought it came with a throne. Doesn't come with a suit. Yeah. Get in it. <laughs> also a throne. And you have to fight on a waterfall. That's the rule. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the way it's done. So <laughs> get on there, yeah. yeah. She-Hulk. So they've confirmed Tatiana Maslany. I've never watched Orphan Black, but I hear it's great and that she's great in it. So that's a, an amazing catch for Marvel in that respect. She denied it before, which was hilarious, and then it's been just confirmed casually. We're getting Mark Ruffalo back for that one. Tim Roth's coming back as the Abomination, which I'm excited about. I think he's still one of the better Marvel villains, so having him back will be a good thing for me. And they've teased perhaps other special guests, which could be Daredevil, because it's, you know, a law thing, so Hmm. might as well be there that they bring him in. I'm up for some of these things. I'm not bothered really about the abomination but i would like to see tim roth mm. his character i mean i forgot what the character's name is i'm blonsky 
Blonsky. I'd like to see Blonsky back. I don't know that there's much in two massive hulks smashing into each other more than you can do as a like a monster flick. And that's fine, but you don't need to see that constantly every 10 minutes. But Blonsky having trouble would be worth it. And I'm always happy to see a bit more Daredevil. So I don't know where it goes, though. This one I've got my eye on because I don't know what they do. They've already got a lawyer in Daredevil. So do we need a new lawyer? What's the new angle? We've already got Hulk. So why do we need a new Hulk? What's the angle? And I'm not saying I think this is going to be rubbish. I'm just saying it seems really difficult to be the second person in the role when all the roles are currently covered. And there's no reason you can't have two lawyers. There's no reason you can't have two Hulks. It's just that what are you going to do to make this new? I'm honestly not sure what direction they go in, in that sense. And the other thing that I'm concerned about with She-Hulk is I don't know how you avoid the Superman problem. Because I went online the other day and something's been bothering me about the She-Hulk. She doesn't seem to have any weaknesses other than a bigger Hulk. And I went <laughs> online and somebody said, here are the 10 weaknesses of She-Hulk. And I went through them and thought, no, there's not a single thing in there. That's a false list. This woman is effectively a Superman. And not that Superman is boring, but Superman is difficult to write for. You know, when somebody's got that much power and that much intelligence, how do you get around them? So I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying there are two reasons here that I'm thinking this is a really dangerous property and would be very easy to screw up. So I hope they've got some really good writers for this one because I don't think they're going to get an easy time writing this. I suspect the first season, assuming it's a multi-season thing, will focus on adjusting to the transformation in some way and trying to find out how her life works. And whether they have her stuck in the She-Hulk form or have her go back and forth, because the comics have changed it up a number of times. A lot of the time she can go back and forth whenever she wants, but she just chooses to remain large and green because she feels comfortable. And it's that mm. image or that empowerment thing, as in this is me feeling comfortable in my own skin, so I don't really yeah. care what other people think. Plus I'm a Hulk and I can just punch people that just tell me, that I shouldn't do this. So, Because Banner has the weakness, or did have the weakness of, he can't control the Hulk side of him. So that is the weakness. He's like afraid of it. But that's gone too. Yeah. Oh, and that was a crazy choice. I'm not saying it wasn't. I now find that character in exactly the same boat problem. Because the whole point of the Hulk storyline is phenomenal cosmic power and absolutely no control. Yeah, It's the proper old werewolf vampire and of course Jekyll and Hyde problem of all of this hideous power comes with the problem that you will probably kill those people you love and that's actually a really powerful emotive story as soon as you take that away okay you've just brought yourself the Superman problem what are you going to do where are you going to go with this so I can see that Mark Ruffalo will never get a film maybe he was never going to get one anyway but I don't know how he's going to get a film now. They almost gave him, and the Hulk is going a bit stompy like a child and refusing to come out. Great, you've created another emotional problem. Totally get that, but we've played that out now and it's all gone. So, oh, okay, so you've... Yeah, it happened between films, effectively. You know, we solved that between films somehow. Yeah, so Mm. maybe that's the film then, where they show how he solved it, but it is now gone for the future. So it could be that She-Hulk is a great empowerment show, But if they spend six episodes going, I am empowered, I am empowered, I am empowered, that's going to be really freaking boring. (laughs) 
no matter how meaningful it is, the idea that you don't actually need a plot as well is crazy. So I come back to where I started. I think it could be good, but I don't envy the writers on this one. Yeah, I guess they might have banner regress and his thing didn't work permanently. So he's going to go back and be Savage Hulk again or a different variation of that. We don't know. Sure, could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we don't know. That's what it is at this point. It's just speculation because all we have is names. That's all we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's fun to speculate. And that's ultimately why they do these things so that we'll talk oh, yeah. about them and oh yeah, and spin their content for them by just talking about <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you are oiling their machine. Here. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and we're happy to do it, it seems. So next up, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which I think is a great title. It just tells you you're in for a bit of a fun time. The two curious things about it is we've got Kang the Conqueror confirmed as a villain. You may remember him from that Avengers cartoon you watched. You know, he's a big Mm. deal. So introducing him in an Ant-Man film suggests that they're either going to make him less of a big deal or it's just this is where we're going to meet him for the first time. Yeah, I imagine the comic book fans will be annoyed by the former, so the latter seems more palatable to everybody but that does mean that i would not want to see him defeated in this film i would just like to see him mildly inconvenient so that phase six's ultimate endpoint film builds on that for some reason yeah otherwise it's the equivalent of thanos turning up in every single individual avengers film and being beaten by all of them before getting beaten by all of them together later on yeah yeah, that's um, not what you want. I guess I'm nervous about this one as well, because, again, as well as things going a bit crazy, which is what I was thinking about before as a problem, when the power level goes up and up and up and up, you're pretty much going, get a Captain Marvel in here, get those people in of that, oh yeah, well, my Scarlet Witch. Right, everybody else, just pull up a seat and eat popcorn. You know? <laughs> There's just no point you being here. Yeah. Oh, can you have a shield? That's nice. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bucky, we don't need your metal arm. Yeah, this is a massive problem if they push it too hard. And as soon as you get the ultimate villain from the end of the time who plays with every energy you can think of, you've raised the bar and you can't drop that again. So I'm nervous about this one. As an individual standalone film, if it's as funny as Ragnarok and some of the Guardian stuff is, great totally up for the comedy that's fine but i don't know that you can just lightly bring in that particular villain without giving it some real thought so (laughs) i don't know again slightly nervous but not turned off yeah and the other thing is we're getting a new cassie lang the third cassie lang we're getting so Catherine newton is going to be taking over the role which is a bit of a shame for the poor young lady that played her and Endgame, and she did seem quite upset on social media when she released her, yeah, well, I'm glad that they're moving forward with this or whatever, but yeah, it's a shame that it's not me. So she was diplomatic enough, but it's a bit of a shame. But I do like Catherine Newton. I think she's really good. So her taking on this role. They've clearly got maybe big plans for this character in future stuff. Yeah, building, like we've said with some of the other stuff, passing on torches, building it into something new. Yeah, totally. There's no reason this can't fit into all the rest we've already mentioned, actually. Yeah. And good actor for it, so we'll see. Sure. A couple of Guardians things. We're getting a holiday special, which feels right enough. 
for them, yes. Yeah. And an I Am Groot animation, which would be great for the kids. And possibly for us, if it's funny enough. Yeah, they almost, if they keep to their proper theme, can't go wrong. I did feel a change of humour between the two films that I thought there was a bit of a loss of some of the cleverness in the writing going for simpler gags. I hope that it doesn't degenerate into just fart jokes because that is the way that inevitably ends up. But equally, if they do put effort and thought into it, there's no reason why these things shouldn't be absolutely hilarious. Follow Ragnarok is, I think, what I'm saying. That's a good example to follow, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're aware of that. Yeah. yeah. Secret Invasion is a series that we're getting with Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. So bringing back Nick Fury, obviously, and Talos, I think his name is. I don't remember, but yeah, if you'd have said it with more confidence, I would have simply believed you. So. Yeah, let's go for that. I think it's Taylor's. I'm pretty sure. I'm 98% positive. So right. nothing is known other than these two people are in it, and it's a title. I know in the comics, it's and in the cartoon that I've watched, it's the Avengers are replaced by Skrulls, or some of them are replaced by Skrulls as are key people across the world and things. So I don't know if it will be this world-reaching conspiracy, or they're just going to use the name and do something else with it? I don't know anything about it. I have to say, yeah, I am, I'm not even read any source material. I You did see those cartoon episodes, though, where they did it. Well, here's the thing. That brings up, yeah, what I was about to say, which is things that take the form of other things. I'm very polarised on it. I'm very black and white on it. If they do, here are aliens hidden amongst us, and you have to do something in order to figure out if they're an alien or not. There's some of the really old sort of 60s science fiction does this. You shoot them, if they turn green, it was the bad alien. If it turns red, it was the good alien. And <laughs> I can't remember which one that is. But that's sort of stuff where they're just hiding amongst us. That's quite sinister, and I'm up for some of that. That can be quite interesting. What I don't want to see is, I pretend to be your husband for a while, and I say something to really upset you, and then I go away and your real husband comes back and you have a fight. And nobody talks about it. <laughs> nobody actually goes back over, why did you say this to me? I didn't say that to you. Oh, then it must have been an alien hiding as me. Let's get on <laughs> with it. You know, Nobody has a conversation about it. They just create these hideous situations where horrendous stuff happens to people, and you're just sitting there going, reveal it. When are you going to reveal it? These people aren't talking to each other like real human beings. You're just playing it for the force of the plot is, is making you do this because you think you're being clever when actually you're just really pissing me off. But yeah, the latter will just annoy me so much I will have to turn off immediately. But the former could be good. I don't know what they'll do with it. If they go down the third route, amazing. Yeah, the thing is they haven't established the scrolls as bad guys in this universe. They are, yeah. you know, they're refugees. That's not to say there might not be a contingent of them that aren't the best people. So there could be... There are six scrolls that have decided to replace the president or whatever, yeah. and Nick Fury has to track them down. But I suspect they'll pick up on the end of Spider-Man where Talos was posing as Nick Fury and so forth. They'll do something with that, I think. But I don't know, know what the plot is because no one has told us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I need to completely reserve judgment and not talk about this one again until they actually tell me <laughs> something. And then I'll be able to respond logically rather than emotionally. yeah. yeah. So watch the space on that one, whether it's going to yeah. be something you hate or something that you don't mind. Yes. <laughs> so there's not much to say about Thor, Love and Thunder. Christian Bale's playing Gore the God Butcher, which is a character I know nothing about because I haven't read the comics that he's appeared in. Relatively recent guy. I think he has a symbiote 
like the venom symbiote as a sword and he hates the gods and he wants to kill them because he, he went believing that there wasn't gods and then he discovered that there were and that they failed his people or something like that and he just hates them and wants to kill them so there's Thor so I want to kill Thor so I don't know how they'll adapt that or how far they'll adapt that but that's who he's playing that's the name of the character he's playing yeah they've got somebody in who's a capable actor who has got a highly em- emotional revenge plot go it's a good starting point yeah don't know what else to say about it obviously yeah same same as yourself but there's no reason why that should immediately fail that sounds like a good starting point yeah armor wars we kind of touched on that it's a show about jim rhodes dealing with stark's technology falling into hands that shouldn't have it which is essentially what the first two iron man films are about yeah it kind of carries on with that idea and that's actually a modern fear so I mean, well, it's not a modern fear of the everyday person, but it's a modern <laughs> fear at government level, political level. So it's already grounded in some sort of reality. Well, actually, we're all afraid of terrorists getting hold of dirty bombs and so on, I guess. So when the news reminds us to be afraid of that, we do yeah. dutifully jump on board that train. So, yeah, it's grounded, it's real. It's a problem that you would think would actually definitely happen in a supers world. So, yeah, investigate. Tell me your chat and happily watch it yeah don cheeto leading a series as well not a bad thing no yeah and i think that a lot of these will just be one-offs as well so it's not that oh great we're gonna have like 10 years of him dealing with the koreans getting iron man suits or whatever yeah, well that was what i was saying with the star wars stuff actually i'm i think that's a good choice if you've got an idea play it out for what it is and let that be varied and that variation be a good thing for you franchise don't get trapped into a pattern yeah because some producer says that this is the way it's done these days so yeah that's a good thing it's i've made a decision we can tell the story and i'm more pleased with that than the alternative yeah and then there's no reason that those characters couldn't appear on another show or in another film at a later point availability allowing absolutely yeah, yeah. so yeah you don't have to lock them into a contract for 10 years of whatever, it, you can just lock them into 10 years of doing something and yeah. they'll do something, which right. seems to be how Marvel play it anyway. We've got you in a contract for this length of time, so you, you'll be doing something within that. We'll give you stuff to do. Right. We'll let you know. So that's good. And, or it can be good. Last thing, John Watts, the director of the three Spider-Man films, or soon to be three Spider-Man films, will be directing the Fantastic Four as well. So it seems that Marvel really like working with him. Ooh. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I really want to see what they'll do with Fantastic Four and how they'll bring them in and who they'll cast and all these things. And automatically it can't be the worst one. So <laughs> they'd have to do a really bad job to make the worst one. So they're doing okay so far. Fair enough. I haven't managed to connect with a Fantastic Four film yet. I've not enjoyed any of them. So I can see through well i can see i can't see at all but i I go on the internet and i see the intelligent people who've done all the research telling me how they are seeding the fantastic four everywhere you look you know (laughs) if you know what to look for you can just see it just freaking everywhere including there was one that was just literally the place that falcon and winter soldier are going to is a small seed of one character okay yeah brilliant fair enough i would never pick that up but i'm glad you're thinking about it at this level of detail (laughs) Because that's what I appreciate. So I can see that, well, rather to put it, I trust this Marvel franchise to give me something that I should consider watching. 
if somebody said we're doing another Fantastic Force just straight, I would say probably not interested. But but this franchise coming and saying take a look, I feel like I have to take notice. So I shall be giving this a watch based on reputation alone. Yeah. And the thing with Kang as well is at least some versions of him are a descendant of Reed Richards. So mm-hmm. that might tell you something about what they're planning to do casting-wise, since Kang is played by black actor. Yeah, by the end of phase whatever it is, I don't know when the next massive end point is that, that is effectively the next end game, phase six, seven, eight, whatever it is. By that point, they could have a truly global property that is now fully balanced across all cultures, races, worlds, yeah. <laughs> multiverses, if you were that interested. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, yeah, that could be a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a 0% chance they'll do an all-white cast for the Fantastic Four. No, they wouldn't do that now. No. Yeah. But it's an interesting one. I do like them as characters, and they're properly cosmic-type characters. They give you access to all this other stuff. You know, the Silver Surfer and Galactus first appeared in Fantastic Four comics. Even the Skrulls first appeared in Fantastic Four. So it just gives you this kind of swashbuckling outer space weird stuff. And Mm. I've seen a lot of people suggest that the first Fantastic Four film should be a 60s period piece and then they get stuck somewhere, (laughs) which is almost the Captain America story again, except... It allows you to do some 60s visual aesthetic and all that stuff. And then your second film, or even your first film, could be that fish-out-of-water 60s in the 2020s or whatever year be made and just be a, a visual thing that they could play around with. Yeah, I'm all up for that. That was my worry about She-Hulk, that it wasn't going to be new enough because we'd seen the various components elsewhere. And I do want to see them try something. I don't think I want to see them try Captain America-style thing and then also trying to mix in the humour of Guardians of the Galaxy because it's, it's wild people in space. I'm up for them trying something new, Yeah, but I would want them to do that completely. Make it definitely unique to Fantastic Four, and I'm on board. Oh, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, we'll see. Good director. We know he's proven himself with the Spider-Man movies in terms of visibility to make something that's watchable. So I don't see any reason why this will be bad. I don't think there's much risk of that. Yeah. We'll see though. Yeah. So that's it. Powered through all the Marvel stuff, which there may be some crossover with the discussion that was had in the other timeline. There may not. I'll have to send you back to that timeline now to get back involved in your normal existence. In my normal timeline. Yeah. yeah. Just plucking people out of the time stream. That's what I do. So... Thank you for taking your time out of linear existence to come back and finish off your contribution. Welcome. So that's been our roundup of all the stuff. So we'll do this again next month, a different configuration of people possibly. Who knows? Thanks to YouTuber Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you want to catch us on the socials, we've got Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or you can just leave comments on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or anything podcasty. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us. That's the beauty of it. So that's pretty cool. And if you want to talk about any of this stuff, just hit us up. And we're always going to be happy to talk with you about that. So, yeah, please do. Please make yourself known. And if you're on iTunes or anywhere you can leave a review and a like and a comment and whatever, do that. But until that time, cat. Thanks for being here and discussing stuff. Thank you for having me. Isaac, thank you for being here and discussing stuff. Oh, thanks very much. It's been quite fun. 
and thanks to Aaron who's not here at the moment but I have recorded something separate for him to talk about Marvel with me so that will be at some point before this point I don't know it's the future (laughs) we'll find out but until next time join us on Meal Before Pod 